All right. What is up, Welcome. everyone? <laughs> Welcome to Movie Boners. Um, today, I am going to go first on the beer because I can't wait to tell you about it. It is possibly the most perfect beer that we've ever chosen to align with the episode topic. I don't know. Mine might rival you. <laughs> okay, let's see. I know this is kind of a deep cut reference, um, but I know you will get it immediately. So it's from Verboten Brewing Company in Loveland, Colorado, and it is called Killer Boots. <laughs> Killer Boots, man. <laughs> Killer Boots, a, man. It is a porter style ale with caramel added. Six uh, percent, and in this little gravestone, it says, "R.I.P. Petey." I just thought he was quiet. <laughs> so yeah, I respect it's that. It's very, very delicious. That's fucking um, awesome. It's so delicious, in fact, that I got this six pack like two weeks ago, and my wife loved it, and so I had to hoard this one beer. I tried to go back to the beer store and they were out. So I've been hanging on to this Damn. single can for a long time, just so I can have it on the episode. Well, that's pretty awesome, dude. Yeah, that's not that deep of a cut. Or maybe I'm just thinking that because I quote that to people all the time. <laughs> yeah. Especially living in Texas, because a lot of people wear their boots. And so I will totally <laughs> be like, killer boots, man. And no one gets mm -hmm. it. So sad people. <laughs> Yeah, it's a tie between that and uh, the new boot goofin from Reno 911. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's good, too. Well, uh, what is your so-called perfect beer for this? Dude, mine is like, it doesn't even try to be clever. It's just blatantly um, okay. drinking a, uh, a Pilsner called Bushwood Beer. It's legitimate, like literally a Caddyshack beer. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. Bushwood being the oh. name of the the golf course golf that they club. play or the club, yeah, that they play at. Um, yeah. Normally, like like a little pilsner <laughs> isn't what I go for, but this was too perfect to pass up, so it's tasty. Yeah. And it fits perfectly. <laughs> it's got a feisty little gopher on the can there. It's true. It's true. So you got that going for you, which is nice. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that in this episode. Oh, hell I yeah. I have to warn you. But, but I've, I've been excited to show these off. So normally I'd have like a clever t-shirt, but I don't have a t-shirt yeah. to match for some stupid fucking reason. Yeah, I, I weirdly don't. don't have any comedy shirts either. I don't it know. Really, it really made me sad. Uh, to the point where I like made quick errands earlier today to be like, I got to find something and didn't find anything. Okay. But I have had these for a long time. I think I've shown these to you, Jake. Um, mm. I've got I, I've, I've got my 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 stepbrother's coasters. And They're good. You, you got to go with the it's the, the fucking, fucking cattle wine, wine mixer. mixer. <laughs> I had to show them off on on here because you're not going to see them. Yeah, here. I'm glad we get to enjoy it with you. Yes, that's very nice. Yes. <laughs> just, just, All right, shut your face. Just shut your face real quick. Just shut, just shut your face. <laughs> so, if you uh, if you are still with us after last week's very serious episode, yeah. I appreciate it. We are recovering from Wequiem for a dream. 
by doing our top 10 comedy movies again. And uh, so we're going to be doing that. That's why all the beers are comedy themed. And the episode title probably is comedy themed. Haven't come up with it yet. Um, But before we do that, let's talk about something that's not very funny. And that is (laughs) the movie draft. (laughs) So the word on the street is that you're still winning and your lead has grown because Hunger Games Songbirds and Snakes came out and it's not as bad as I had hoped. Uh, sitting at a 7.2 right now. And Trolls Band Together is weirdly one of the worst movies of the year, worse than all other, all, the first oh, two God. Trolls movies, and uh, and worse than Paw Patrol. And yeah, so I expected more from Trolls Band Together, and it's disappointing me currently. All right. And then uh, Taika Waititi's movie, I've seen I've seen middling things like kind of all over the map for both Next Goal Wins and mm-hmm. Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I've seen people say it's like a three. I've seen people say it's like they're like an eight or a nine. And so I don't really know what the real story is. But all I know is IMDb says they're higher than your average, which helped you out. Well, my goal is to see Next Goal Wins this upcoming weekend. Uh, so opening weekend, okay. but uh, yeah. I think it looks funny and cute. I'm kind of more wondering if people are trying to put too much stock into it or yeah, they've never seen a, an actual Taika Waititi movie, not Thor. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but it's already got a better rating than I think uh, Love and Thunder had. So I think yeah. I might be wrong. I, but That's probably true. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's not bad at all. Um, I guess since we did the last podcast, also the Marvels has been out for a week or so. Mm-hmm. It is I've seen kind of things all over the map. Mostly that it's bad. I've seen um, a lot, but of also bad. <laughs> I've I've seen a lot of bad, but I've also seen people defending it a lot, saying it's not that bad. Um, but their defense seems to just say it's fun and and silly and. I think that people are at a place where they've had enough fun and silly and they want more <laughs> substance. Um, I think that's where it sounds like it's at. Yeah. I, I saw a handful of stuff, um, particularly about like, I guess there's a dance sequence in it or a musical number. I don't know. Uh, yeah, there's like a planet that is all musical, something about the something or other. I heard that was the scene that made, that has like kind of been making everyone check out of the film. Um, mm. I asked my daughter if she wanted to go see it last weekend when it opened. Cause she's like right in the demographic for it. And we've yeah. seen all the others. And her response was no. It's like, all right, <laughs> you sure? Pat. Yeah. Don't, don't think it looks good. Dad. I was like, all right. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> um, Dodge that bullet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll watch it when it streams. And then I laughed and was like, I'm probably never going to see the Marvel. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know when I would ever take the time. I have a lot of reasons to see The Flash, and I still have not seen The Flash. So and Marvel's is way down my list. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, there's a crazy statistic, though, that because it's... Well, it's one of the lowest openings for the MCU ever. It is. No, no, not one of. It is the, the? lowest okay. opening ever for MCU, yeah. 
Yeah, only a hundred million in its first week, um, and that is up against it being a very expensive movie to make and promote. Right. It probably won't even break even until it gets around five hundred million. Uh, the craziest statistic was because the runtime of this movie is so short, it's the most expensive per minute movie uh, per released minute ever made. Oh my every god! Single, <laughs> the every single minute cost that was released cost way more than any other movie that's ever been made so it's like i don't think that that's a winning model and that i think that's one of the chief problems in hollywood they're making more and more of these 200 million 300 million dollar movies hoping that they get the next billion dollar box office but <laughs> right it's just it's just not gonna work out not happening with this one folks <laughs> no and then that's why they're so hot on ai because they want to bring down digital effect co effects costs by 90 yeah. percent. but it's just uh it's unsustainable and it's a terrible idea overall 100 <laughs> percent. so yeah the marvels is uh the marvel sucks um <laughs> I, I got to tell you the truth man i kind of feel this slipping through my fingers as your wheat lead has widened over see I, i'm still like i am not bragging i'm not trying to like talk shit really because knowing my luck like uh -huh. color purple is gonna be a billion dollars to finish off the year and it's gonna be at like a nine i don't know <laughs> knowing my luck I that's what would happen it's um, the last one on my list. Color purple better be amazing. <laughs> I have, have I have a feeling that with my wild card being Aquaman, I'm probably gonna ditch Aquaman by the end of this. Mm -hmm. Um but who knows? Every time I see the trailer, I'm like, wow, this mm -hmm. just doesn't look redeeming at all. And even Jason Momoa was on Jimmy Fallon recently, and I guess he was alluding to being like, Oh yeah we're done with Aquaman. We're like, it's all over with. This is done. Moving on. Moving yeah. on. Yeah. So I was like <laughs> this, they didn't even, even come out yet. I know. Like this is so sad for a film. What? Like when flash was coming out, zero press, no one was mm -hmm. out bragging about it. No one was out trying to pump it up. Aquaman's coming out. And the star of it is even being like, yeah, it was cool. We had fun, but like we've moved on already. Like, yeah, this is the worst marketing ever. ever. At least with Aquaman, their star's not a weirdo who's banned from marketing. True, <laughs> and and he is... has like people like Jason Momoa. He he's got that yeah. charisma to him that people are are kind of like drawn to. So true. I mean, it's it's gonna do better than Flash. I think. I, I don't think anything's gonna be worse than that. But hopefully we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, as I as I look at what's left and I look at we have, I think, five weeks left in the year. Oh, that's weird, and, dude. and we're pretty darn close in the draft. All I keep seeing is fucking Dune part two just sitting out there in March <laughs> being a little bitch. <laughs> just fuck you, Warner Brothers. Fuck you. <laughs> Actually, I'm not yeah, saying that because it wasn't on my draft, but uh But you do want to see principle. it. But yeah, I really wanted mm -hmm. to see it. I I'm very excited for it, and I don't understand why they delayed it or not. Who knows? Oh. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs>
So uh, what new stuff have you seen lately? I actually got around to watching some new things. Uh, okay. Even though it's been out for like a while, but it's been mm-hmm. a, little, a couple weeks since we recorded. So uh, I did go and see Killers of the Flower Moon. Okay. And uh, I gotta be honest. People are praising it of being a masterpiece. And the whole time I was like, dear God, this feels like it could be an hour shorter. Mm. Um, The acting's great. Not his best, in my opinion. I would say uh, probably not even in his top five. If I'm Mm. being real honest, I found myself starting to really drift off, especially like... It's three and a half hours, dude. I like yeah. <laughs> it's a long fucking movie and it feels like a like it's longer than what it is. Um my biggest disappointment, no spoiler, don't worry, is it doesn't really focus on the crimes that the trailer like um, leads you to believe so that's what the focus is gonna be. It's really kind of misled you. Uh, yeah, and it's just, it felt like a mess of a story. I don't know. Parts of it felt rushed, and then parts that they dragged for fucking ever are the parts mm-hmm. that, like, you could have ixnayed all that crap and focused on this, because this was interesting, that was not. So, yeah, I was... I feel like I'm... And you didn't know anything about the book or the story? No, no. I, I went in blind, um... Like I had told you, though, I wasn't all that excited for it in the first place. Um, but I yeah. went into it very open-minded. Like, it's it's Martin Scorsese. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. It's Robert De Niro. Right. It's, it's got to be amazing. And it was just kind of like, all right, well, there's four hours <laughs> of my day. Cool. Um, yeah. Half a work day. <laughs> right. It's a while. It, it's a long time. Uh, but it was okay. Uh, okay. And then I watched The Killer, the new David Fincher and Michael Fassbender film. How was that? I and I found myself once again being like, am I just not seeing the same movie that some people are seeing? Because some <laughs> people were like, this is Fincher's best. And the whole mm. time I was like, this doesn't feel like a Fincher film at all. Like, what is mm. the purpose of most of this film? Um mm. Michael Fassbender's always good, so that's mm-hmm. that's good. But again, I was like, I, "Am I missing something?" <laughs> like <laughs> this has people are like freaking out over this movie, and I found myself just mm-hmm. being like, ah, "I don't see it." But okay, yeah, I feel like there's something <laughs> weird going on because I see that on Instagram all the time. Of like, people are like this movie is great. This is a masterpiece. This is the best ever, and then other people kind of niche accounts are like no this movie is fine or it's not that great or it's like i don't understand where all this praise is coming from it's yeah. so weird the it, it's not four hours which was nice but there were definitely moments where i was like wait what what was the whole purpose to this again and then like they try to do some callbacks late in the film to the start of the film. And mm. I was like, dude, those callbacks were stuff that you're like, <laughs> no, no one's going to remember this callback. Like this was bad. <laughs> um, 
So I was a little bummed. I was a little bummed and found myself thinking like Fincher, you're better at directing than what this movie showed. Yeah. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's the fact that you got tapped by Netflix to do this. And mm-hmm. this kind of feels like. Uh, I, well, I can't call it a, a cash grab because it's Netflix. But, right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it fell off to me. So I was kind of bummed about that. His um, time would be better spent on a new Mindhunter season. That would be cool. That would be cool. Yeah. And then. I went and saw because you called it Jake and I just can't fucking help it. I'm not a fan <laughs> of the dude, but I constantly go and watch his shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw Thanksgiving because primarily because I was going to skip it, but then I saw the mm-hmm. B critics were like, this was actually fun. We enjoyed it. It was great. And I was like, fuck, they don't even like horror or at least, you know, like, yeah. Man, and I was already on the fence. Am I really going to go see this? And yeah, I went and saw Thanksgiving. And as I'm like leaving the theater, I was shaking my head because I was like, what a weird time for me to have in the last month. Two of my like favorite, most influential like filmmakers put out stinkers. And here I am walking out of an Eli Roth movie being like, yeah, that was fun. God damn it. A director that you have shit on for years. For years. <laughs> That's amazing. Now, by no means was it like amazing. It feels like they were really trying to force being the new Scream. Um, sure. It is campy. It's got the worst one-liners, but they're funny because you can tell that they knew exactly what they were doing. It's like a mm. dude. It was like an eighties low budget indie slasher film, but updated with today's technology and, and budget. Like that's what I would hope it would be. I would yeah. hope it would be like all of the terrible holiday themed like, slasher movies. It, yeah. Like it totally fit. And... It fit the wheelhouse of silent night, deadly night, which I enjoy mm-hmm. that movie. It fit right in that wheelhouse. And yeah. So I don't know what is happening in my side of the world. We entered bizarro world. I that guess. yeah, I like was not a fan of uh, David Fincher and Martin Scorsese film, but Eli Roth comes out with a, a horror film, and I was like laughing at all the kills and, <laughs> and finding myself being like, I hate almost all these characters, but this movie is kind of entertaining to me. Uh, yeah, having a lovely time. Yeah, that's amazing. So okay. that, that happened to me recently. <laughs> That's very refreshing and different, and I like it. Uh, for me, I meant to watch a couple of movies and didn't get around to it, but I did watch a couple of new, a couple of episodes of new shows that came out this year. Okay. So there's a show called The Curse, which is a series on Showtime produced by A24. And it stars Emma Stone and Nathan oh. Fielder. Oh, I've been and curious they, about this one. Yeah. Yeah. They're a married couple that film an HDG TV show and then get hexed or cursed. And and that's all you, I really knew going into it. Um, I've seen the first two episodes. I have to say it, it it's slow. It's awkward. 
there's not not nothing seriously happens with the curse yet so i'm kind of waiting for a curse thing to happen that's keeping me involved a promise of a curse like that their curse i think has happened but (laughs) i don't nothing no results have come up so i'm waiting for that to happen but what i didn't expect and what you should be aware if you plan to watch it is that tiny penises play a major plot point in the first episode what the and fuck? actually you the viewer is actually showing two of them i did not expect that so if <laughs> be advised about that there are tiny penises involved what um <laughs> uh, but it, it's interesting and like it's very awkward and very slow but i find myself intrigued uh enough to check it out and see if these people get fucking cursed or not so we'll see what happens there all right uh the other thing i watched because i felt like it was appropriate for this episode and also because i didn't even know it came out was history of the world part two man i've been on the fence if i actually want to watch it or not because i (laughs) love part one so much that i'm like Uh i just don't want it to get ruined by a bunch of people forcing the comedy and totally mm-hmm. ruining what you know the genuine shit from the original so i haven't watched it yeah. yet i've been on the fence okay don't bother is my <laughs> review <laughs> oh shit so i was right yeah okay you were right this series came out this year on hulu and allegedly revives uh, or is the sequel to the movie um Mel Brooks is attached. He voices over and he is in it at least a good amount. Every like historical event though, at least for the first two episodes, uh, that's all I've watched. And I may only watch that. Um, I don't think I laughed really at any of them. There's one very, very short sequence where Jackass actually does a thing about Rasputin. And uh, I giggled at that, but it's like, honestly 90 seconds long oh my god yeah (laughs) Uh, and uh it's just them stabbing rasputin and throwing him in the lake basically so it it's it feels way too way too current there's there's like thing it's all about the history past history events civil war jesus Mm -hmm. jews all this stuff but it's way too current and modern and pretty woke and it's just weird whoa and it they does, tried to it turn a mel brooks project woke yeah it's all about it's all it, it's very current and i just uh. don't care for any of it it doesn't feel doesn't feel like the real thing i was watching it and i was like i'm feel like i've seen way funnier jokes come out of a drunk history episode drunken history is hilarious it is hilarious but it's also like not it is not right a bunch of writers in a room scripting the shit out of it like there is for this show so it should be better but it's weirdly not so yeah skip history of the world part yeah that's a bummer um i mean thank you for confirming my fears the the one promo i saw of it which was like a bunch of look at all the casts that we have in it. First mm-hmm. off, it was like, I'm a fan of this cast, but this instantly puts up red flags of, Oh, these guys are all going to be trying really fucking hard. And then, um, it was like a promo or two after that 
I saw where it felt very like scary movie six or however many they made to like all the disaster films. You know how it went from being like, this is funny parody to you are yeah. forcing everything and nothing, no joke lands. Everything is just yeah. forced. Uh, Making that's the what leap it from like scary movie to meet the Spartans, I think is what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. 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 Um, that's what it kind of struck me as like, Oh, that's the humor that it's going to be. And it's going to fall super flat. Uh, yeah. Because the it time is. has too much time has passed, in my opinion, to try and connect to that original movie. Uh, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, I mean, thank you. It for sucks because but that really sucks. It's something that's been anticipated for ever, ever since the first one came out, and and it. I think it could be done. It could be done well, but it would take people that really understood why the first one worked so well and mm-hmm. could do the next thing of that. This doesn't really feel related at all. Yeah. So that's just bummer. Yeah, that's real bummer. But you know, it's not disappointing. All the Um, movies that we watched and laughed and had a hard time actually putting into a list because Jesus (laughs) fucking Christ. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I think you said for the first time since our top 10 all time, this is probably the hardest list we've ever made. Dude. I'm still look like I'm looking at my list. I felt good about the list when I finalized it this morning. And then mm. I questioned it like an hour later. And then I final <laughs> like, no, we're good. And I've had it good. And then as we were getting on, you know, starting to record, I was looking at it and being like, I mean, is is this finalized? And I'm like, no, it's finalized. And I'm like, I don't know, but it, it's finalized. Mm. This this is my ten. <laughs> this you is need a to in the ass, it, dude. So- it's perfect. Yeah. Pain in the ass list to me. <laughs> uh, oh, before we go too far into this, though, I do need to jump back because I missed a housekeeping thing. Uh-oh. So if you've been listening to these episodes and you're a longtime listener, yes, I'm going to give you a heads up that you should go and subscribe on YouTube. You're going to want to do that because and Instagram, because first of all, everything we do that's interesting happens on Instagram in between episodes. Mostly, in the next couple of weeks, uh, specifically beginning of December, we are going to do a contest. And if you are a current listener, we want you to get credit for being a longtime listener before that happens. So if you go and subscribe on YouTube, you will get some bonus, quite a bit of bonus entries into this giveaway that we're planning to set up Mm -hmm. in the month of December. So just so you know, we're going to be giving away some cool stuff. We want you to get involved and want you to get credit for being fans before everybody else jumps on board and bandwagons it. So go subscribe on YouTube. And uh, that's the main thing that you need to do before December 1st. Um, And then uh, if you're on Instagram, we'll be setting up announcements, but we'll also list it in the next couple of episodes. So you'll be aware after that what's going on. It's going to be fun, guys. It's going to be cool. Yeah, it's it's a big... We've been doing this for almost three and a half years. Yeah. Come uh come January. And and we're at almost a thousand followers on Instagram. And so we wanted to have a big thank you and give away some cool stuff um to, to everybody. So well not to everybody, to lucky winners. But that's the kind of the main thing is like the end of the year, three and a half years, and that ties specifically into this episode with us 
we we made our top 10 comedy list as our third episode ever ever yeah over three years ago <laughs> and uh the problem with that is that we didn't know what we were doing because from a technical standpoint uh it had a lot of problems it's rough to listen to and also i was the most disappointed i think you kind of expressed this as well that we did a shitty job of listing our top 10 comedies in that episode. <laughs> I did I a weird just... thing where I tried to like pick all of my major influences and yeah. then put them into a list, but that left me with like Dirty Work, which is a pretty average comedy in my top 10 all time, just because I love Norm MacDonald so much and he hasn't made that many movies. And so I just, I ended up with a bunch of stuff that I was like, I, 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 get what I was going for, but it's really not my top 10 comedy list. Yeah. Um, so I didn't look at mine originally for the longest time until like last night, night before okay. recording um, on one of my, yes, this is my finalized list. I went <laughs> through several of these moments, but I finally was like, okay, I'm actually really curious because I couldn't remember exactly what was on my list. And I was like, I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. I left a couple off that I have no reason why I didn't put them on. And sure enough, I was like, why wasn't that on my list? I, I think I remember Jake bringing it up on his and being like, oh, yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, um, yeah I... I I was just kind of I don't know where my headspace was. I think I was just panicked about trying to like compress hundreds of movies that yeah. I adore into 10. Um, it's overwhelming and, and trying to make sure I, you know, it was like, I gave myself a check up, like a checklist, right? Like make sure you have this actor, make sure you have this actor and this actor. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that kind of really tripped me up a lot. Mm -hmm. So this one, I approach this list with just a like, okay, you know what comedies you love. You know what comedies mm -hmm. you've always loved. You should have zero shame because you normally have no shame for what movies you love. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's two specifically, no, three. Three specifically that I left off of the list the first time that have haunted me since that episode mm. and so it was like you know they have to be here you can't <laughs> you can't neglect it like you've beaten yourself up for three years yeah lean into your love of ridiculousness immaturity obnoxiousness mm. stupidity and fun lean into it because that's your wheelhouse dude so that was <laughs> like that's my list it's oh okay. it's so it's so immature it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, last time I, I like I said, I definitely <laughs> messed it up in the same similar way. So this time I'm focused on the absolute funniest movies to me and the movies that I love the most and yeah. trying to keep it simple, stupid. And because of comedies should be first and foremost funny. That's yep. kind of the whole point. And if it's not funny, why bother? Uh, growing up, comedies were always like my favorite genre in addition to like fantasy and sci-fi right. and stuff. But comedies are the ones that I just gravitated to so strongly, which is why it's so hard to pick them. I've loved them all my whole life. <laughs> and, and yeah, so it's also why 
it's been so sad for me that comedy's kind of been struggling lately as a genre yeah. for the last 10, 15 years, it feels like. Um, but everything kind of goes through seasons. Horror movies had like a rough patch after the kind of in the early 2000s, I think. And then it's gotten really strong lately. So hopefully comedy will come back. I feel um, it has to. It's those, one of those things that's human. So it has to. Yeah. There's a lot of great comedic voices. Um, I, I was thinking about something. So leading into this, uh, I've been trying to prep for this episode and the next couple that we have coming up <laughs> for a while. I told you what, four or five episodes ago, like, dude, I'm so yeah. stoked for every episode we got coming up. I've like been working on all the lists. This one has been reworked <laughs> and prepped for so long. My Everest. It, seriously, this one felt almost more daunting <laughs> than the top 10 all time. Mm -hmm. But that I, I think I was just putting too much pressure on myself already. But my brother and I ended up having an interesting conversation and that conversation leads right into kind of what you're talking about with like comedy seems to have a bit of a slump right now. And he brought up this, this, like this whole thing. He was in a seminar with some producers and they were talking about the direction of Hollywood and all this kind of shit. And they were, they focused heavily on Hollywood right now. And so many filmmakers are so set on making dark and sad pictures mm -hmm. like very serious they, they don't want you to feel good they want you to feel bummed out you know mm -hmm. yada 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 and i was telling my brother like, it's a reflection of culture everything is yeah the most serious thing ever now yeah and i i told my brother like oh, i'm kind of like i like dark films i like some of the the sad films fuck mm. we just did a whole deep dive on a two-hour <laughs> you know addiction trip so and it's one of my all-time favorites but like i yeah. like the darker stuff but the seminar he was in the producers were talking about there is an importance and it needs to start coming up kind of a resurgence of like comedy and the feel-good movies these mm -hmm. things are okay and they're actually necessary if we get back on track with some of that i think hollywood mm -hmm. might actually see kind of a positive turnaround so it was funny hearing you kind of bring that up because to me that ties in of like mm -hmm. we need to lean into the silly and comedy has had a slump. There's some great comedic voices out there and they've made great movies, but they get overshadowed or they end up kind mm -hmm. of overdoing it. You know, like I'm a huge Seth. Uh, oh, my God, Seth Rogen okay. fan. <laughs> but <laughs> I totally understand why people aren't his biggest fans anymore because he's always smoking weed and that gets mm -hmm. old, especially when it's like, dude, you're in like your forties. Isn't weed yeah. a high school thing? Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I get like, I think these comedic voices are still great and they can offer a ton of, I guess, uplifting stories or, or uplifting might be the wrong choice of word, but you know, something fun and, and silly yeah they just kind of have to expand and, and hollywood's got to get over themselves and i think audiences first and foremost 100%. i think we as the audience we have to get over ourselves we have to get back into just letting mm -hmm. a joke be a joke and being okay with it being a joke so yeah i think the audiences will drive 
the culture. And I think that yeah. before studios and filmmakers even figure out that people are okay with that, they will, the audience will shift and they will f- start finding that online on YouTube or whatever. Mm-hmm. They'll find these comedians that are kind of a little bit cha- changing it up. Like uh, Seth Rogen and Will Ferrell, they're, they're legends of our generation, but they're all super fucking old now. And so we kind of need the next generation <laughs> to come along, the next generation to figure it out and be like, this is what we need. And I do think with everything being so serious now, that's kind of the pendulum shifting all the way to one side and it will start going. Uh, right. It has to. This it, is stupid. We're all being too serious. Let's just <laughs> grow up and uh, try something different. And get you know what is actually working. We, we need a, a good mental shakeup. Like, like we had in the, the early two thousands, you know, you just brought up Will Ferrell. I feel yeah. he really came on, on the scene and just, shattered so many comedic mm-hmm. tropes or just seriousness going on. I mean, the dude, everyone leaned into his comedy so heavily because it's so over the top and obnoxious. Yeah. Um, and, and also with like, uh, I just, and also so different from like what we had in the nineties, which was very yeah. Jim Carrey and slap. Right. Right. He was like, but it was yeah. that obvious generational, like, here's the next guy up. This is amazing. Yeah. You know, because he could do it all, and he was doing it all. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's old now. We're not going to get Elf 2. You know, <laughs> if we yeah. did, it's not going to look the same, guys. He's old. <laughs> yeah, it would be a property cash grab that would be unnecessary. Uh, right, it would probably tank worse than than all the other requels that we would get, because they'd probably make <laughs> him a, a sidekick in his own story. Fucking Hollywood. Yeah. But... We're not here to trash on Hollywood. We're not here to have like super serious discussions today. No, we're here to have fun. We're going to have some fucking fun tonight. So, all right. I don't even remember who went last in our last top 10. I think I did. So I believe you are up. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start with one of my favorites. One of my legends of all time is the great Steve Martin. And one of his most underrated gems, I think, happens to be my favorite movie that he's ever done. So my number 10 from 1982 is a movie called Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. You have talked about this movie. (laughs) I love it. And I I love it because (laughs) I guess the concept appeals to me so hard. So directed by Carl Reiner, and it's basically they take... Steve Martin acting as a black and white detective film noir gumshoe kind of character. But most of the characters he acts against are footage from old film noir movies that they splice in and edit into the story. And then he kind of talks around it to make it make sense in the story. And so whether they're calling someone up on the phone to solve this mystery and he needs to like set up to be like, Oh, this, this lady is hysterical. She might not recognize you. And then he calls her up and she like says a different name because that's the name from the movie that she's (laughs) in. But he's like, no, it's not that it's me. And so he, he works around all of these different editing things and the jokes and the way that they do it is just so clever. I think that it builds on that. They use, 
the transitions and the connections in all the movies as jokes in addition to all of the normal jokes there is a lot of footage that they filmed for this movie that is they wrote their own jokes for and real dialogue and has a real story the whole time but then you have Humphrey Bogart showing up as his like sidekick or detective uh, partner and Cary Grant is a character and Betty Davis and Kirk Douglas and Fred <laughs> Murray all of these huge names show up and and they're just side characters in this 40s 50s black and white detective story and it's it's brilliant and I love it so much so it it's it was hard for me to choose between a bunch of other Steve Martin movies but this one for some reason is just so <laughs> special just, and unique one. <laughs> I will always love this movie man the moment you said Steve Martin my brain was like you don't have Steve Martin and and my oh, brain no. was like you idiot like you love yeah. all these movies and his like filmography just scrolled through my head so now I'm mm -hmm. sad and disappointed but not to the point I'm going to change my list I like my list but it's laminated <laughs> official uh Steve Martin's amazing he's always been I just everything that guy has made has made me laugh in some fashion mm -hmm. at least that I've I've seen it's always made me laugh I, yeah. I have the utmost respect for that guy. His community, and especially tied he's with, not like, afraid. He's not afraid to be like super silly. Like oh yeah, silly. He'll he'll pull it. Up. I mean, the jerk is still that movie. I everyone <laughs> knows the gag of like he hates those cans. It is never not funny. It's right. never not funny. <laughs> <laughs> It's absolutely true. Like him in planes, trains, and automobiles before the movie turns into the like heart wrenching film that it culminates mm -hmm. to. But everything he does, just trying to get home to Chicago, is funny and frustrating. But yeah. the way he plays it is hilarious. You know, mm -hmm. he wants his fucking car right fucking now. I will never not laugh <laughs> at that scene. I appreciate so hard the fact that the entire rest of the movie could be like a PG movie. Oh but yeah. They committed so hard to so many F bombs. <laughs> in that like, 60 seconds. We're going to have, I think it's 15 or something like that, that they say. in just the, yeah. Like yeah. 20 seconds. It's probably scene 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Steve Martin is a legend. That guy, he's never stopped either. Like he's old. Him and Martin short are old. But they're always hilarious. He's, been, he's looked old since he was 25. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the white hair. <laughs> That's a great pick, Jake. You have talked about that one before. I don't remember if it was uh, the old top 10 comedy list. It probably was. But you've brought that one up. I think it may have been. Uh, I was going to mention. So we did, because we're redoing our top 10 and we did this with the horror episode as well. We kind of took the other ones offline, but they are archived at moviebonus.com. So that's the only place you can find them. If you are curious to go back and see what it sounded like in that first episode, if you want to wade through the terror, the, it's not terrible, but there are audio issues. Um, there are also really funny moments. So it is yeah. available if you want to go back and see what our original lists were uh, three years ago at moviebonus.com. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, my number 10, I, I had to laugh at myself because I just went on this little 
little soapbox mm-hmm. moment of like so many dark films are coming out of Hollywood and literally right out the gate. I'm like, here's a dark comedy. That's like <laughs> children's stuff is corrupted by the mafia and there's murder and mayhem for children's TV shows and programming. Like right out the gate, this is where we're going. But mm-hmm. this movie has gotten shit on pretty much since it came out. But I remember when I watched it, I could not stop laughing because I loved the absurdity of it. I love Danny DeVito's eye as a director. I kind of wish he would direct more movies because I've always liked just the way he he tells his stories are fantastic. And you brought up one legend, dude. And this was this movie was one of my biggest. Uh, this was this one's haunted me for three years for not being on that original list. Yeah, you brought up the legend that is Steve Martin. I'm going to bring up the legend that is Robin Williams. Um, yeah, this movie made me laugh so hard because it was so crude and crass when it came out that it took people way off guard. And I've always appreciated that. And they do it all with children's programming. You've got rainbow Randolph and then you've got smoochie the rhino. So my number 10 is death to smoochie. It is one of the funniest movies to me. And I like, I quote the movie when I watch it Mm. as I do with almost everyone that's on my list. But every time I watch this movie, I can't help but quote the cookie scene the loudest. I'm sure my poor neighbors, they they had to have heard me in preparation for this episode when, when Norton pulls out the the cookie that Rainbow Randolph has made and it's shaped like the just this giant cock and balls. And he's <laughs> surrounded by all these kids on a TV show that they're like recording and he turns it into a rocket ship, but it's got the most awkward like 10 seconds when he pulls it out. And all you hear is everyone like, Oh, oh. <laughs> and you hear Edward Norton just being like, Oh, Oh, Oh no. Oh, <laughs> like yes, he's looking at it. It's so wrong in every way. That movie is just, I love it because it's so crude and it's so over the top. I mm. I think it's underrated. I think people shit on it because it took them off guard of just how crass it really is. Um, but I think it's just so fucking funny. And I cannot believe I did not have it on my list. <laughs> you know, that first that first go around. I, I've wanted to change it so many times, but Death to Smoochie mm. is just that is one of those movies I will always love because it's so fucking messed up. <laughs> it's so wrong. <laughs> I'm so glad you got to rectify that. Yeah, you're you're right. When you said that uh, Steve Martin, you couldn't believe you didn't have any of his movies, I'm the same way with Robin Williams. I couldn't believe I don't have any hey, of his movies on my list. So We, we even out. And we're, and we're balanced. out. <laughs> Perfectly yeah. balanced as all things should be. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I've never seen Death to Smoochie. I oh. definitely need to see it. Oh, Jake. <laughs> I am excited about it. Hearing you describe it, I was cracking up. So oh I need my God. to see it. It is just, I mean, just look at like, just look at the cover photo. It's Edward Norton, mm-hmm. who is notorious for being very serious actor in a bright, <laughs> like pink rhino 
foamy costume and then rainbow or robin williams dressed up as his character rainbow randolph is in this like super sparkly rainbow get up mm-hmm. dude it's so good it's so good <laughs> it seems very like barney inspired and barney was a big kid show it, when we were kids it is barney inspired uh there's even a a joke from robin williams about barney it's very fast okay. and a lot of people have missed it but this was one of those movies where you could tell robin williams was just completely like given the green light you say what joke comes in mind we're probably gonna keep it you can tell him loose yeah yes when you have a fucking talent like robin williams that's what you do you just turn him loose you just turn him loose don't stop don't stop filming yes i love death to smoochie uh i know a lot of people did not but those people are out of their minds because it's fucking hilarious so that's my number 10 <laughs> i love it uh my number nine is another classic one of the movies that I remember watching the most as a kid, and I think it's one of the movies that turned me on to comedy films uh, the most. In addition to all of the classic like serials and Three Stooges and Laurel and Hardy and all that stuff, this is a movie that I like. I I remember laughing so hard my sides hurt, and then I don't watch it a lot, but I will revisit it every couple of years, kind of when I start to forget the jokes and. I laugh every time I watch <laughs> right. this fucking movie. So <laughs> my number nine is The Return of the Pink Panther. Yes! Yes! Which is my, my personal favorite in all of the Pink Panther movies. There are a lot of good ones, but The Return of the Pink Panther specifically, I feel like is the best um, for a lot of reasons. Particularly because there is an extended sequence in this movie that is the longest purest slapstick sequence you've ever seen in your life the The, no the hotel room scene oh the hotel scene is yeah 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 Yeah, where so uh, inspector clouseau played by peter sellers he is investigating the pink panther diamond being stolen and and there's a scene where he goes sneaks into a hotel room posing as a cleaner and there's basically no dialogue in this 12 minute scene and for 12 straight minutes you are dying laughing at all of the crazy things that happen <laughs> and all the crazy things he does and it's it's just the best but yeah the fight scene and the constant everything with his with his chief and his blowing his nose off and ah, i fucking love everything about this movie it's just the funniest thing i've ever seen every time i watch it and uh, very young christopher Plummer plays a, a renowned thief who who was is basically framed for stealing it so he's the only one really actually investigating who really stole the diamond and inspector clisso is like kind of pretending to investigate it but he's <laughs> bubbling, bubbling his idiot. way around yeah like getting it's stuck in a best. steam room yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so so yeah return to the pink panther strikes strikes again is also great uh shot in the dark like is amazing although technically shot in the dark Technically not a Pink Panther film, but it's still part of the Pink Panther pantheon. So, yeah, it kind of gets lost with by not having it in the title, but it counts, I think, yeah. for sure. Um, so Return of the Pink Panther was originally on the original list. Uh, I don't okay. have it on this one, but, okay. but I felt like 
I, I didn't just because, well, I don't have a good reason really. It's just, these are the 10 that like, <laughs> it didn't fit. Right. But that movie is a very high, like if, if this was top 11, it would be there. Uh, okay. Dude, I'm with you. The gags in return are amazing. And for you, my dad, he showed the Pink Panther series to me, but Return was the one that he was like, this is the one that will probably <laughs> make you cry because you're laughing too hard. Yeah. And he was not wrong. And to this day, he's still not wrong. The part <laughs> that I lose it at every time is the fight. And it's when he goes to do the running jump kick at Kato. Mm-hmm. And he misses and he keeps going through the kitchen, but they change like the audio of his yell. So it's like, <laughs> ah, oh, and it's slow mo nice. and he's crashing through it. That's the scene that I just like. I am off the couch. <laughs> I'm crying. I'm in pain. I can't breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Return of the Pink Panther, man. That is such a, <laughs> that's like pure comedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that That is just, yeah. yeah it really is and it it tied into the next couple episodes we're doing because i got these weird member berry flashbacks that Mm -hmm. i hadn't seen this movie in a long time so re-watching it i just remembered how obsessed i was with the initial heist scene and all of the little (laughs) gadgets that the thief like pulls out and sneaks under the lasers and and the The oil and the oil and the yeah yeah, yeah. pulling across the floor and yeah all of it i was like this is the coolest thing i've ever seen and then you've got clouseau show up to investigate and he pulls the plate (laughs) off the wall dumps all the powder (laughs) like slips on the oil yeah slips on it oh it's so good karate chops the security door uh (laughs) it's it's a perfect perfect film comedy film too peter Peter sells a genius well my number nine being children of the 90s there was there's no way and uh you should know i've got two more from the 90s on on this list um but the first one up is is this one yeah 90s comedy just hit different it was very sarcastic it was very slapsticky it was very just we don't care this is stupid but that's what makes it funny you know we had adam sandler coming out you have chris farley coming out and you had damon waynes come out um yeah and those were the kind of comedies in the 90s like those three guys kind of set the precedent or the the presence i just lost the word precedent <laughs> yeah for how 90s comedy was going to be. And I loved damn near all of it. What I was allowed to watch, at least. Um, <laughs> but my number nine is one that I feel has gotten forgotten. And that makes me sad because it's so well made and it's so well written with all the jokes. And I know that it still is hilarious because when I showed it to my daughter, she was in tears at some of the scenes during at the you know during this movie and that Mm -hmm. that's telling to me like this is comedy this is like i wasn't just misremembering this this is real so my number nine is major pain i hoped it would be this freaking movie (laughs) is so funny from the start you kick i mean it kicks off with like this giant battle scene that a guy is screaming in agony from being shot and 
Major Payne runs up and breaks his finger with his little trick to take his mind off the pain. <laughs> it works every time. <laughs> he puts a gun in the guy's butthole and like threatens to. <laughs> yep. But when he takes over as the the commanding, you know, the the ROTC leader at the the prep school, dude. That's when all the one-liners come out. That's where I mean, it just never stops being funny. And major mm-hmm. pain is just, this was another one from three years ago. I did not have on the list that I've just been like, how? Because when you put this yeah. movie in, you spend the first half basically mentally prepping yourself for the cupcake scene, because you know that when that happens, you will laugh out loud. So obnoxiously. Yeah. And then it happens and I laugh out loud. <laughs> like I figured, <laughs> like I've seen the movie hundreds of times i know every joke mm-hmm. and i still laugh every time i still quote i still have a hard time quoting some of it just because i'm already laughing at it <laughs> i watch this movie like crazy as a kid and i still watch it like crazy i just think it's a forgotten gem it's so funny and mm-hmm. I, i'm like maybe we should have more more teachers like like major pain what's funny is re-watching it the <laughs> the female lead in it she yeah. is more like obviously tender and stuff but she tries telling pain you have to like nurture and you have to be gentle so she tries doing this gentle parenting technique and it made me laugh because the movie came out in 95 or 6 and they were already mm-hmm. joking about gentle parenting and like kind of uh what would be more modern these days and you're like, nope, nope. Pain's way is what works. Pain's way is what works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, oh my god, Major Pain is such a great comedy. I, it's too good. And the little engine that could story, I don't think I've ever actually retained the real story. I only ever know the version from Major <laughs> Pain. <laughs> it's the quintessential version. I it's, would say it's the Absolutely. only version you need to know. I love yeah. this movie so much. That's fantastic. Uh, I didn't know that Nick Castle directed it, who we talked about in the John Carpenter episode. He wrote Escape from L.A., Escape yeah. from New York, all of, a bunch of different uh, John Carpenter movies with him. That's hilarious. And yeah, the Waynes brothers were huge. They're still huge. They'll always be huge. And I, I like Major Plane is kind of underrated. I do feel like where they came from in living cover in living yeah. color with the Wayne's brothers, Jim Carrey, all these people is also massively underrated. Oh, a hundred percent credit gives credit to SNL, but in living color was like the shit back in the day. It was huge. I mean, to me, it was very, it, it was massively influential, but yeah, trying to get out from under SNL. If you were a sketch comedy show, you were automatically yeah. like buried behind the shadow of SNL. Yeah. But those sketches were yeah. fantastic. <laughs> Mad TV is kind of the same way, but it didn't have the legends come out of it. Like yeah. in living color did. Um, yeah. I, I agree with you. Everything you said about the nineties comedies as well. I, I unfortunately only have one on my list, but it's because I had the hardest time choosing between all of them, like between all of the <laughs> different, so many between all the Chris Farley movies, well, between all the Adam Sandler movies, between all of those movies in the nineties, 
they're all kind of at the same level, which is that I love them. And <laughs> right. so I kind of, I picked one and went with it and then filled in the rest of the spots. So <laughs> maybe a little regret there. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Hopefully no regret. I mean, this, these lists were already uh, what, exhausting to make, but in a great way, because I was laughing the Maybe whole we'll, time. Maybe we'll do it in another three and a half years. There you go. Uh, my number eight, I pray to God we don't have to do this again. My number eight is, I feel the paranormal activity of comedies is how I have described this film. My number eight is Napoleon Dynamite. Oh my God. 2004. (laughs) It is so, it's not as low budget as paranormal activity, but it feels like it is. And that's, I think the most important part. It's so, uh, Napoleon Dynamite is one of those movies that you either hate it with a burning passion because you don't like it. You don't understand it. You don't get why it's funny. Or it scratches your itch like it does with me, and you completely get why it's so funny. Every scene lands like it does for me. And even the most benign scenes of a guy trying to describe things about his farm, and you can't understand what he's saying. (laughs) I was just thinking of him doing the mumble talk. (laughs) Yeah. Like, that's the most basic like it's just it sets the scene for this super awkward super small <laughs> idaho town and it fits so well the scene i laugh the hardest at every time is the school bus scene when they roll up and there's the farmer out in the field with the shotgun <laughs> and there's just a <laughs> <laughs> it's all the children screaming i die <laughs> But it's it's so quotable. John Hatter's amazing. Uncle Rico's amazing. Oh, Pedro, everybody, everybody's perfect. And and it's one of, you'll. There's a theme on my list, which is that the most quotable movies tend to be the ones that I gravitate to, <laughs> yeah. because I can oh, yeah. bring it into my normal life. Like I'll be watching a comedy movie, and there's something about. Of course, you'll laugh at a punchline. You'll find it hilarious. But if there's something that's exceptionally well written or phrased in an interesting or different or weird way, I just, my brain, maybe it's my monkey brain, grabs it and it's like, I need that. I need that in my <laughs> little pouch of quotes that I will pull out in the most You're like, well, that's officially a part of times. my everyday dialogue right there. That's, that's yes, in my this life is now. my personality. Now. <laughs> yes. And, and I will use I this. That. I will use this obscure comedy movie quote in a moment and with an audience that has no idea that it's a quote <laughs> and, that I, and and I'll do it in a, probably a time when it's probably inappropriate. But I also just it's for me. I find yep. it hilarious whether you get it or not. And and so this is one of those movies that I just identify with so perfectly. And. Uh, <laughs> I I can't stop smiling every time I'm watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I don't have it on my list, but I had a feeling you would because I know how much you adore this film, mm-hmm. as you should, because Napoleon Dynamite is amazing. Did you happen to see the meme that I posted earlier today? 
earlier today. No, I haven't seen anything. Oh today. my god, I'm missing out. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I see it. I see it. La Fonda forever. La Fonda forever. The, <laughs> the Black Panther, <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite meme. That's absolutely incredible. <laughs> I, I thought of you when I saw it. I was like, Jake will love that. Um. Yes, I do. Yeah, there's something about movies that just whether the dryness of the delivery with lines or whatever, they just stick with you. Um, I quote movies consistently and these particular, well, nine out of my 10, there's only one on my list that I'm like, that's not really a quotable movie. They don't have like one liners in it. Um, but the rest definitely do. And I definitely have just, this is my, this is how I learned how to communicate to people. And only like three out of 10 people I talk to might know what I'm referencing. Um, yeah. Depending on which one I am, but uh, Napoleon Dynamite. See, you, it's the cow that makes you just die. For me, <laughs> it's it's Uncle Rico versus Napoleon when he chucks the melon at the van. <laughs> <laughs> Rico's little screech yeah. and then chasing him down and the whole like where he's threatening to throw the other one at him and they have that awkward like <laughs> you're not gonna do it out okay <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah that that's yeah. what gets me every I, time <laughs> bet you I could throw a football over them mountains <laughs> yeah I, I love how independent and and low budget it is that it's it's probably the most independent movie on my list. Yeah, it's special for sure. It's such a good movie. It's well, my number eight is. I, I was kind of shocked I didn't have this one higher, but it's on the top ten, so I feel like it's automatically just nope. This is a top tier film, uh, but in terms of comedy, this is one that was like a huge comedy for me. I feel like this is kind of the movie. Besides one other one on my list that I watched as a kid that I was like, this is my comedic wheelhouse. You know, I had Return of the Pink Panther. I had the classic comedies that my dad showed me. And those were great. I love them, adore them. But they always felt like like that was what my dad passed to me. I was still trying to figure out my comedic wheelhouse, you know. The next Um, generation's voice. Right. And this, my number eight is one of the movies that really tapped into like, nope, this is, this is what I'm about right here. And this is the immaturity I was talking about, the (laughs) obnoxiousness. Um, And also this actor, I adore his, his movies. There's only a few of them uh, because he passed away pretty young, but to me, even his worst movie was still fucking hilarious. I just, this is what I gravitated to and I love. Um, and this one is kind of an obvious choice, but for good reasons, because it's the best one he made. But my number eight is Tommy Boy with Chris Farley. Yeah. This movie just, I can never get over it. it. It's one of those movies that when I saw it, like I said, it just like, oh, and it, it happened <laughs> to be from a, a bigger dude singing, you know, fat guy in a little coat and making fat you know. guy. In a <laughs> coat. His, his lack of wit is what made me laugh so hard. <laughs> you know, the mm-hmm. whole like M&Ms in the car. Your head has the shell. 
on it. Are you talking? Shut up, <laughs> Richard. Like, <laughs> yeah, I say that constantly. Shut up, Richard. <laughs> right? <laughs> Who's your favorite little rascal, Alfalfa or Spanky? <laughs> Sinner. <laughs> housekeeping, you a hot towel? <laughs> no housekeeping, sleeping. Housekeeping, I jerk you off. What is this play? <laughs> I was I Chris Farley was our generation's John Belushi. He just was. Yeah, and that that was a big connection for me because John Belushi was so big for my dad. And like mm-hmm. my dad showed me old Belushi sketches on SNL and old Belushi films. And so to f- have my own Belushi felt special and felt really cool and i was able to show that to my dad so not to get like sentimental but the, it really was this was one of those things that like tommy boy was yeah. huge for me and it really helped that it was so fucking funny and it drove my mom <laughs> crazy because she hated every <laughs> joke she hated his lack of iq she hated all of it mm-hmm. but to, i'm never gonna not laugh when rob Lowe is pissing and talking shit, and then he gets zapped, and it throws him backwards. <laughs> I'm never not going to yeah. laugh at that. <laughs> yeah. I'm never not going to... I sing I'm a Maniac constantly, and people are always like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I just, Yeah. <laughs> no one gets it, but I... I love Tommy Boy. Everything about it is just so well done. It's so fucking funny. And you know, it it's a good uh it, it's a good like one up for for the bigger fellas, for like the guys that might be a little self-conscious about stuff cuz Tommy gets the girl in the first 15 minutes of the movie like instantly yeah. and she's she's kind of cute, like she's hot. So um <laughs> good on you Tommy. Good yeah, on his, Chris. his his <laughs> Chris Farley's confidence and just his presence, I think, was his strongest factor. That oh, he, yeah. He was completely aware of the fact that he was a large individual with a lot of energy, and he would just throw his weight around, not just his <laughs> physical weight, but his comedic weight around yeah. and and go wild, go he balls to the wall. And it was just you can tell thing. that he owned any room that he walked into. That was That was his stage everything was his stage and it, i just yeah it it made for great comedy great comedy so tommy boy yeah. is uh i love that you movie. know a movie is incredible when they try to just basically do the exact same thing a year later with black sheep <laughs> right it's the same basic premise same basic cast new jokes black sheep's fun also oh black sheep's fantastic as well him uh him at the mtv vote like encourage the youth to vote and he gets chill <laughs> right like he always has that moment where he's doing so great and then he crosses the line and everyone's like good god you know yeah, tommy boy when he's trying far. to sell brake pads and he's doing the the scenario with the guys model cars. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it takes a little too far. Oh, it's so good. I but you want to root for him. Like you want I think that's the key is that you you are with him. You want him to do so yeah. good and he's doing it and then he takes it too far. <laughs> and it's just so funny. You know what I noticed also with the the 90s version of comedy and and I think they tried to like they've done a decent job with it, but the 90s comedies especially always had like a ton of heart. They always yeah. ended the last 10 minutes of their films were like, ooh, I feel good. This was like fantastic. I just mm -hmm. laughed at stupidity for 90 minutes because 90s comedies were like almost strictly 90 minutes yeah. to 92. You were done in and out. Mm -hmm. But they were all like, they all make you feel good. They genuinely like. Right. This is awesome. You know, the end of Tommy Boy is is very like, oh, super feelsy mixed with yeah, a little reconnect. bit of a joke. But I noticed that <laughs> and I guess I've never really paid attention to that, obviously, when I was younger. But I was just like, man, these are even better than I remember. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Every time I revisit, I'm like, there's a reason that I remember this movie so fondly. It's because it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> and, yeah, and I don't know. I assume that that's universal, but maybe it's just that it's for our generation. It is the best. We grew up in it. It, yeah. it spoke to us. It attached to us and it will be our thing forever that we'll show our kids. And they'll be like, yeah, it's funny, but we'll find our new thing because it's, <laughs> right, not, really right. for, it's not as timeless. I don't know. We'll Although see. some of the ones that I've shown my kid, she has laughed just as hard as I did the first time I saw him. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yep. See, you get it. You get it. This is good comedy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have two movies from the 70s on my list. And so that's probably what it will be more like. It's like, it's not my generation, but I saw it and I loved it my whole life because I saw it early. Yeah. Uh, all right. My number seven is one of the movies that I was the most distraught over the last three years about not having on my original list. It's, it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's a movie that is just, it's well known, but is also kind of, I guess, isolated, or I don't feel like it just gets as much credit for being the comedic powerhouse that it really is. My number seven is Wedding Crashers. And it is just time and time again, I watched this movie and again, incredibly quotable, incredibly hilarious. <laughs> and, and there's a perfect combination between Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. A lot of my movies actually tend to have a duo, a buddy um, duo that happens uh, throughout a lot of these movies. And Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn are extremely special in their in their dialogue, in their improvisation, in their just delivery of everything that happens in the movie. And and the cast is stacked beyond them with Rachel <laughs> McAdams and Isla Fisher and Christopher Walken and Jane Seymour and Bradley Cooper and uh, Will Ferrell. Like, it's just absolutely hilarious to me. And, but it also does an interesting thing. I noticed that several of these movies especially from like the early 2000s or mid 2000s like this they'll be they'll start out very very 
joke forward, very yeah. funny, um, very quickie, quippy and, and tight dialogue and hilarious. And then about halfway through the movie, they kind of let off and you have connected to the characters and you're right. more invested in their story and their, their, you know, journey. And so the second half of the movie is not as funny, but you don't mind because you're, you're just, you care about them and what they're going through. And so this kind of does that, but they, they, they it's also hilarious. They're constantly, they don't introduce Will Ferrell until the last like 30 minutes of the movie. So it's absolutely a hilarious movie. <laughs> you don't see it, but Dustin is doing the Will Ferrell on the couch, pumping his arms motion. <laughs> Ma, meatloaf, <laughs> meatloaf. I don't know what she does. <laughs> Where is she? Is she in the house? I don't know. <laughs> yes, Wedding Crashers I, is. I'm with you, dude. It's so good. <laughs> I don't know. Possibly the most shoehorned into a situation quote that I've that I use daily is. <laughs> The painting was a gift, Todd. I'm taking it with me. It doesn't matter if it's something that someone gave me a gift or not. I will just find a way to use that quote in normal life for no real reason. I I always have, like, every time I want to remember the quotes, my brain is like, mm -hmm. joke's on you. You're not going to remember it. But when I don't need to remember the lines... They come yeah. back to me full force. Um, My wife had me in stitches the other day because we were just like living our normal life and and something happened. I don't even remember. And she just like roll, like turns to me and she's like, let's play tummy sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I could not stop laughing for like 15 minutes because I didn't expect it. And it was perfectly delivered. And it's from Wedding Crashers, and I don't know. I just fucking love this movie. As you should. Yeah, Wedding Crashers is... The the younger brother is always what, like... He's the cherry on top of the film because he's the most awkward character in the whole film. And every time yeah. he's on camera, you're like, what? You feel like Christopher Walken, his dad, feels like... You tell yeah. that earth, son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell that mean ocean. <laughs> yeah, it's I it's funny you brought that up with like the mid 2000s cuz as I noticed with the 90s style of comedy the mid 2000 or early 2000s to about well, actually maybe the first 10 years or whatever. Yeah, they like for an hour and a half comedy, the first hour 50 minutes mm -hmm. are just like nonstop. They're just going to berate you with one liners with all the jokes, the gags, just one after the other. And then it like completely lets off the gas. Let's the rest of the story tell itself. Some of them would like completely abandon the jokes while mm -hmm. others like wedding crashers where they, they make sure you understand like the absurdity of it or, Oh, here's, mm -hmm. here's another good joke for you. Like the painting, you know, yeah. They just got outed. It's a serious moment. <laughs> the painting was a gift, Todd. <laughs> yeah. Wedding Crashers is also one of those movies where every time I watch it, I'm like, this is so wrong. 
there's so many <laughs> lines crossed in this film, not just from those yeah. two, but like Vince Vaughn's character is straight up violated in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And in trying so hard to get his friend to not like to get out of there, he's like, we have a stage four virgin clinger. We need to get out of here because she's like, I don't, I don't think you heard me, man. It's a stage four virgin. Yeah. We got a virgin. <laughs> Or at the breakfast scene when he comes downstairs, he's like, oh, you didn't sleep good as a soft mattress? He's like, yeah, maybe it was a soft mattress. Maybe it was the midnight rape. Maybe it was the, the, <laughs> so the, the uncomfortable gay art show that happened in my room last night. Maybe it was one of those things that happened. <laughs> so yeah, this guy is having a terrible time, but he's here for his friend and he's sticking to the rules of wedding crashing, which <laughs> right. is a hilarious gimmick. Yeah. <laughs> Wedding Crashers is classic. It's so good. It's kind of a shame because they tried doing team up films after that. A couple of them, right? Like two or three yeah. afterwards. And none the, of them. like the Wilson brothers and Vince Vaughn and a couple of those guys were kind of the, I guess, uh, Ben Stiller. They're kind of like the, I think they call it the frat pack, which is like the comedy 2000s version of the frat pack. Yeah. Oh, I could see that. But yeah. There's a, there's a team ups for sure. That's such a good one. <laughs> <laughs> you call me kitty cat. Like Dr. Quinn has. Where, uh, where is she? She's still in the house. Completely different. Huh? <laughs> where is she? She's still in the house. <laughs> yeah. She built for speed or for comfort. You motorboat, you motorboat son of a bitch. <laughs> bitch. <laughs> uh, we need to move on. I'm going to quote. We, we need to move on. Okay, whole right, right, right. I feel like we're going to be quoting most of our list jake i think it's yeah. just gonna happen and to everyone listening or watching just join in just join in it's, yeah it's all it's all good it's fun <laughs> it's fun times so my number seven um well i'm not even gonna lead into it it's my beer uh caddyshack is my number seven this movie you know what the brilliance of caddyshack is what it's about nothing Right. <laughs> that was the most confusing part to me. I had heard of Caddyshack and the legend of Caddyshack forever. And then I watched it and I was like, yeah, there's all of the funny things that people quote, but there's no story. It's there's like, no story. <laughs> it's just a bunch of dudes on a golf course in various roles. It, it's And it's one of the most successful comedies considered classic, <laughs> like influential it's about nothing. And that's yeah. what's so funny about it. That's <laughs> I mean, it's brilliant. It's it's yeah. perfect. Now, Caddyshack was one of those. It, it's got like sentimental history with my dad. Uh, it was like the first R-rated comedy I got to watch when I turned 13. He he picked it and him and I watched it together. Mm -hmm. uh, and I got to see him be like, oh, shit, I forgot about that scene. <laughs> oh, uh, cover yeah. your eyes. Oh, I guess it already passed. Uh, well, <laughs> forget, had, forget what you saw. Yeah. He, he had several of those moments. Um, but Caddyshack is just for having no real story to it. And it's just spliced moments that are weird or everyone's jacked up or mm -hmm. the caddies suck at their jobs cause they're stoned or just don't care. Um, mm -hmm. both it's just, the jokes in it, 
The one-liners in it are great. Chevy Chase is, I mean, this is my favorite role of his besides Clark Griswold. Him yeah. as Ty is just, he's perfect in this role. It is so incredibly dry. It's so, so dry. Quick. And it's so, he just does not care about any, he's like true nihilistic, but comedy yeah. nihilism. Um, and it works. And then you've got Bill Murray who's playing like, is he stoned all the time or is he like retarded slow? <laughs> like <laughs> He's got yeah. a thing for older women on the green where he's like, bark like a dog for me. <laughs> bark like a dog. <laughs> it's <sighs> Ronnie Dangerfield is so yeah. obnoxious in it, but every scene in this movie something funny is going to happen. And even on their like sweeter, quieter moments, something funny is said or done. And it's mm-hmm. just, and, and if they lean too far into like the sweet, quiet moment, Oh, Danny and his girlfriend are having a nice moment in bed. The very next scene is like, well, we're making up for time lost. Now we've got, you know, a duty <laughs> in the jokes. pool, but it's a baby Ruth. So <laughs> and we're going to play the Jaws theme on top of it. It's, yeah. Everything about Caddyshack is just so funny to me. But yeah, what really struck me when I realized at a younger age just how much I loved it was the fact that like, how do you blatantly get away with making a movie that has no point? There is nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing matters in this movie. Not a single scene. It's like the comedy version of Under the Silver Lake to me, where it's just like the movie is about nothing. Ooh, call back to listen to that episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, it always reminds me of like Seinfeld. It's like, this is a show about nothing. It, yeah. Nothing really happens. Nobody grows. Nobody learns anything. And, and it's just, but it's comedy gold. It's great. Yeah. It's fantastic. And you've got like the gopher is just, he's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a dancing gopher. Yeah, I fucking love Caddyshack so much. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's I mean, for being Harold Ramis's first directed movie, it's pretty incredible. And then, of course, to go on all the other things he did, Mm -hmm. National Lampoon's Groundhog Day, all that stuff is incredible. But yeah, it's, it's amazing. And it has I wish I had Chevy Chase on my list. I wish I had Bill Murray on my list. <laughs> I don't. So I completely, uh, but I also was confident that you would have Caddyshack on your list. Yeah. it It's a movie. Like I thought for a little bit, cause it was on my original list too. Um, and I remember it being, this was the one I remembered the most being on my list. And I was like, mm-hmm. I had that moment where I was like, did I only put it on my list? Cause it's like got sentimental reasons. I mean, I love it, but was that really all I put it on? And then when I rewatched mm-hmm. it instantly, it was no, I genuinely, this movie is amazing to me. I think more mm-hmm. people should watch it. This generation would probably shit themselves. Cause they'd be like, you can't say or do this stuff. But like <laughs> they did. <laughs> yeah. 70s were a wild time, man. 70s were different. <laughs> So, yeah. All right. My number six is also from the seven. Actually, I think uh, Kaddishak was 1980. But anyway, 
Mine is from 1974, and it is also a wild time where people said and did things that you would not expect today. It is the craziest and best Mel Brooks movie of all time, I feel. <laughs> My number six is Blazing Saddles. I had I had kind of a rough time choosing between Robin Hood Prince and Ty or Men in Tights and uh and Spaceballs and History of the World and all of his incredible movies. But Blazing Saddles stands head and shoulders, I feel, above the rest because it is so blatant and unapologetic and and there is so much use of racial slurs and craziness in this movie that is not just like meant to shock you and be like oh look how uh, like right. how crazy and and shock humor we are it's actually pretty intentional in its actual message and format and what it's going for but it it does it through the lens of a really hilarious movie with really incredible jokes and so i i think that blazing saddles just has it has every single thing going for it that mel brooks normally does and from kind of like the even the more out of the box jokes and his mel brooks portrayal of the governor and 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 his whole like government shtick is really funny and then everything with uh, i love and i have to have gene wilder on my list he was always kind of one of those that <laughs> one of those actors that has just always been unbelievably incredible but has kind of been people don't remember how hilarious he yeah. was like he was he was on the level with all of the other massive comedians of that time period but is also i guess kind of more normal and nice guy looking he's not as crazy as like robin williams or any of these other guys but he's he's amazing and he's hilarious so gene wilder is amazing clavon little as the main character uh i'm shocked that he didn't blow up because he's unbelievably good in this movie oh yeah so yeah, blazing saddles i think for my money is one of the best comedies of all time i I feel so bad and I have because I don't have Mel Brooks <laughs> on my list. Okay. <laughs> but I didn't put him on my list because I was like, I'm pretty sure I loaded up my parody list with with a few of his. Um, he totally. has appeared on several lists of mine. He is comedy royalty and Blazing yeah. Saddles legitimately is. Yeah, that movie is. Oh, my God. Every joke in that movie <laughs> is great, but you, you nailed it on the head. We're like, and I think we talked about it in our controversial episode and the parody episode. I feel like we talked yeah. about it on both Mel Brooks's style of comedy, especially when it came to like racism or prejudice stuff because he's, he's Jewish. So he always incorporated Jewish jokes or, or something into it. Yeah. But he never approached it with the idea of like exactly what you said of, oh, this will be shock. This will be, oh, I can't believe they got a way of saying that or doing that. He's showing it to you blatantly so that you understand like the joke that is 
racism Mm -hmm. and and that kind of prejudice or prejudice of just like it's so stupid that's why it's funny that's why we can poke fun at it like we're i'm just gonna show you what these people look and sound like and maybe the people that do this (laughs) are gonna watch it and be like oh is that me like he's poking fun at the people that need to be poked fun at and uh, it's kind of a bonus joke to be like oh yeah that's kind of that's kind of dumb that's kind of (laughs) silly Right. It's and Blazing Saddles. I feel it, it always comes down to that one or Men in Tights for me. I can never mm-hmm. decide which one I'm a bigger fan of because just when I'm like, it's that one, I rewatch the other and I'm like, oh shit, no, it's this one. Yeah. But if I'm really, 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 really honest, yeah, Blazing Saddles is the crowning <laughs> achievement of this is comedy exactly as like comedy at that time comedy for now should be and needs to be uh places yeah. settles fantastic i i was confident enough i was like i'm i'm not having it on because <laughs> i feel we've talked about it a bunch but also i was like i'm pretty positive this is one jake is bringing up and if he doesn't mm-hmm. then we'll both be fools and it's okay we'll just make sure it's honorable <laughs> mention so yeah um, well, my number six is the only one that's not really quotable. Granted, if okay. you quote Blazing Saddles, you might get yourself in a whole heap of trouble. Um, Where the white women at? <laughs> <laughs> Look at my hand. Study as a rock. Yeah, but I shoot with this one. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's safe. My number six is not really quotable, but I think you'll be proud of me for having this one. This one came out in like 2016 or 2017 and it's the most recent one on my list and it's just it has stuck with me so much and it it just it's one of those where i never i can't help but laugh at it and i i love seeing this other side of one of the main actors because he's always played super serious roles and to see him play kind of in a comedic role and do some silly things as he's playing the muscle. Mm-hmm. It was nice to see kind of a different side of him and a lighter side, if you will. Um, but the the crowning achievement, and you and I have talked about this dude so many times, uh, Ryan Gosling's comedy timing <laughs> is yeah. so criminally underrated and underappreciated because the dude is funny as hell. And yeah. When I watch The Nice Guys, it has that movie just sticks with me. It's one of the funniest, like, detective mm-hmm. private eye movies I think I've ever watched. It, I watched it constant. I, it's one of those where I'm like, man, I just don't know what I should watch. And then I've, well, I guess I'll watch Nice Guys again. And it's just the subtle comedy, the blatant comedy, the jokes, or just the situation itself. Everything Ryan Gosling does in this movie is hilarious. Yeah. And it's so yeah. awesome to see Russell Crowe right alongside him and, and playing into the comedy and having some silly moments himself. Mm-hmm. It's, the Nice Guys is hilarious. If It's one of those movies where it's like it felt like, or it still feels like to me, kind of a callback to like 48 Hours with Nick Nolte and, and Eddie Murphy. You know, that kind of like yeah. cop comedy or yeah. you know, buddy comedy buddy and stuff like yeah 
to me, it's a callback to that style of movie and it helps that it takes totally. place in the seventies. Uh, but it's such a wonderful film and I love the, it's, it's one of those where every time I watch it, I'm just like, man, I think I love this movie even more than I did the previous time I watched it. Oh, yeah. it's so good. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's one of those movies. I feel like it was on our list of movies that needs a sequel. And that's still true yeah. because is their chemistry, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling, they're incredible. And it's, it's one of Shane Black's strongest movies. I would also, I mean, I love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I think mm-hmm. it's hilarious. I think it's incredible. But Nice Guys is also way, way up there. And I totally agree. Ryan Gosling's comedy chops is severely underrated, probably because he's so darn handsome. <laughs> Damn you, Ryan Gosling. Generally, you're more funny if you're less handsome because you have to compensate. But he, for some reason, has it all, which is fine. But good for him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it's just one of those movies, dude. It, it like it wasn't a big success at the box office, but every time I talk to someone who has seen it, everyone seems to have the same reaction of just like, Oh, that movie is amazing. It's so funny. It's so great. Like, I know let's, we need to make our voices heard fans of the nice guys. Cause it deserves the big audience. Uh, right. Oh, it's so funny. Dude. I, I bust out every time there's no dialogue on it, but when he, well, there's one line when he punches the window, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he just kind of like, oh, that's like a lot of the blood. whole setup, the like, <laughs> the the wrapping his hand, the way he punches, the it going wrong, him bleeding, like it's, it's just the funniest sequence of events. It, it's so good, and his just realization of just, oh, that's a lot of blood, and him just like sliding down this wall, and you're just like, what? Who is this guy? Yeah, oh, it's so good. I love the nice guys so much. <laughs> That's an incredible pick. I'm so glad it's on your list. Uh, my number five is probably our generation's Blazing Saddles, if that is a thing. My number five, all of my top five are the funniest movies and the most jokes per minute and the most yep. specific tailored to me and my style of humor i think so there's a lot of overlap in the style of these movies and the jake we may crudeness. have uh, we we may have made oh. the same top five <laughs> okay that's very possible uh, my number five is tropic thunder no we did not make the same top five but the same principle uh, okay. of the top five <laughs> sure there's a lot of good things that go into that so i totally agree Honestly, I feel like Tropic Thunder may have been the last great, straight, hilarious comedy that we've gotten uh, in the last, like since 2008, I can't think of a funnier movie that's come out or a, even a movie that's as strong of a comedy than, than Tropic Thunder. So it stands stands so strong, not just from its, hilariousness but also from the commitment from its cast and Mm -hmm. a wild premise from massive uh, actors between tom cruise and robert downey jr and ben stiller and jack black and all of these different uh guys matthew mcconaughey and all these people they all play different 
roles in this kind of war epic gone wrong and and are unafraid to do crazy things just to make people laugh even though it's definitely very late in the progressive culture change that has happened yeah and so for robert Downey jr to play a character who has essentially put on blackface in order to play a black actor um and to especially with race switch his character uh that whole thing and his commitment to it as a method actor it works so well when it really shouldn't it should feel awkward it should feel uh not right but it works and you buy into it and you laugh at it no matter how uh no matter how offended you might have been before you saw it same with ben stiller same with his commitment to this guy who really wants to be a good actor who tried to take a risk on this simple jack character <laughs> plays a retarded kid and it it's not forrest gump it doesn't work out for him and he, but he commits to it so hard and it's the funniest thing ever so tropic thunder has everything in it and 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 of course the icing on the cake the cherry on top is tom cruise of all people committing to that role fuck you <laughs> he is just <laughs> the most ridiculous part and also just a tiny little cog in the machine of how hilarious this movie is so tropic thunder amazing amazing movie and it will be i think for generations to come yeah everything you said is accurate i didn't put it on my list there were several movies i didn't put on my list because they're already on several others that you and i have done and i know tropic thunder is like my all-time favorite parody film because i think it's mm -hmm. the perfect parody especially at hollywood uh i think yeah. that whole team they tear hollywood a new one uh <laughs> as they should um mm -hmm. but yes tropic thunder is probably one of the strongest comedies not just in the last not just for our generation. I think it's just one of the strongest comedies in general. It is mm -hmm. so abrasive, but that's what it needed to be. That's what makes it work. That's what makes it so funny. Cause you, you do like, I mean, after the fake trailers, you've kind of like, Oh, okay. I kind of have an idea of what I'm getting <laughs> myself into, especially with the, uh, uh, what is it? The devil's playground trailer, the Robert Downey <laughs> yeah. Jr. And Tobey Maguire one. Um, yeah. Yeah, Tropic Thunder. That movie is unreal on so many levels. <laughs> it's it's perfect. It just is. It's just perfect. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate how much um how much the cast and crew and Ben Stiller particularly defends it even today. Like it yeah. could be a movie that you could never make again and it could get canceled or whatever, but he he defends it entirely and I think it's very admirable that the cast and crew believe and understand how important it is for comedy to not have anything off limits mm -hmm. that everybody and everything is treated equally and that means that you're all well, subject to being poked fun at yeah it, it's the it's the south park principle right where it's like you can't right. be okay with joking about one thing and then you completely like shut off the joke for this other thing all has to be 
open to the joke or we can't have comedy period other jokes we have to be able to poke fun at a lot of stuff and a lot of the stuff that we make fun of kind of lends the material itself so uh, right them ripping into hollywood and making fun of kind of hollywood mentality method actors uh with the <laughs> you know i don't break character until the commentary uh <laughs> or after yeah. the commentary comes out uh, i just <sighs> tropic thunder is just so i remember watching that in the theater that opening weekend that it came out and just knowing like good lord what what did we just what this is a treat because we had i remember that summer uh there was pineapple express and then it was like a month later it was tropic thunder and both movies were just so strong in -hmm. the comedy game and just the action comedy kind of genres tropic thunder though Yeah, those are the lyrics strong. to the Jeffersons. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make it not true. <laughs> oh, it's so perfect! It's so good. <laughs> when he pulls the contacts out, but he's still like, as his character is still blackface. Essentially, <laughs> it looks so off-putting. I always yeah, feel he's got awkward. Blue eyes. He pulls his afro off. He's got blonde hair. <laughs> I'm always like, this is more off-putting than him than like what his character yeah. has done almost i was believing and you I in the role wrong <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <laughs> oh jake that's such a great pick oh man yeah with all the ones yeah. that i had on previous lists there is only one movie that i was like you were going to have a repeat you just you have to i can't i can't not do it so mm-hmm. but that's that's later um okay well, my number five, this movie is just, it's another one of those where the, the first time I saw it, I just had that understanding of like, this movie's a part of me now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always going to just absolutely adore and love and laugh at this film. Every time I watch it, sure, it's like pretty outdated, which is sad because it came out in 2007, 2008. Um, so not that long ago, but it's, it's got a ton of old tech and I can just hear all the little kids being like, yeah, but get over yourself. The movie's (laughs) hilarious. But this movie, the opening scene alone is another one that just sets you up for you understand like, oh God, this is going to be just a wild comedy. This is going to be something different. And, uh, it still just cracks me up. And it's another one that I quote a lot of the time. So my number five is uh, the 40 year old virgin because Judd Apatow okay. and Steve Carell teaming up. I wish they would do it more often. I know Apatow and most of that other crew, most of the other actors mm-hmm. obviously went on to be kind of the new Hollywood comedy team until mm-hmm. Rogan really blew up. And then he, he does his own stuff now, but uh but the 40 year old virgin is just, that's a special one in the Apatow filmography, mainly because I think Carell wrote it. So it's fun yeah. to see like his style of writing for it, his style of the jokes in that film. And it's a super quotable movie, but his <laughs> role of Andy is just, Oh my God. 
the opening scene where he's walking around his apartment and he's got, you know, morning wood and he's trying to take a piss and he's doing the awkward, like bend over kind of like adjustment. I think every guy on the planet laughs extra hard at that because every guy was like, yep. (laughs) Yeah, it's such a universal thing that you're kind of shocked has never been in the movie before. And then also half of the population probably has no idea that that's a thing that has to happen. <laughs> right. All these women are like, that really happens. You have to <laughs> right. Every, I think every male had like their girlfriend or wife, whoever with them be like, is that a thing? And every guy went, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yep, but just it's just, that cross. This was before everyone knew who, you know, Seth Rogen was every before everyone knew who uh, Paul Rudd before Paul Rudd really became Paul Rudd. Yeah. Um, and even Steve Carell, this was still early on the <laughs> office year. So people only knew him from his couple tiny roles in like Bruce Almighty and Anchorman. But this mm-hmm. was like his real big boom. This was a movie that made him a movie star. And yeah, the I jokes in this movie. like uh he started in the, the, the was that fake news show that the Daily Show, Daily Show. Thank you. Yeah, with John Stewart. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, this movie has so much like it has genuine heart to it. It has a very sweet storyline on this dude who's just kind of made peace with like not having life experience, and then <laughs> his coworkers kind of taking it on themselves to not only become friends with him but like to get him laid, you know, like, Oh, we got to correct this, but it's, it has a genuine story to it. It's very funny. It's got a ton of heart to it, but the jokes, every joke in this movie is just constantly hilarious. And it's so Mm. awkward. It goes from being like silly, fun, ha ha moments to so cringe worthy and awkward. I mean, the whole (laughs) scene where he's standing in the bathroom while she's like, getting off with the shower head and he's just standing there just uh he picks up i don't know what to do like he just slowly (laughs) walks out like (laughs) yeah but yeah i just this movie makes me laugh so hard every time i watch it and like i said the first time i saw it it just instantly clicked with me of this one's mm. going to stick with me for a long time. And here we are in 2023 and it's still just one of my favorites period. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> since the first time I saw it until today, this, the sequence that has lived in my head rent free the entire time is always with Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd are playing video games. Like, <laughs> you, you know, know how I know, know you're gay. gay. <laughs> your dick tastes like shit <laughs> yeah, you like cold play and everyone that watched yeah. that movie the first time when they make that joke everyone went i like cold play <laughs> yeah wait a minute i kind of like cold play there's a there's an awesome little hidden like joke in that scene if you next time you watch it paul rudd's t-shirt it's mm-hmm. paul rudd's face on his own t-shirt he's wearing himself <laughs> on in that scene <laughs> That's amazing. It's it's a big box of porn. Well, that's everybody re- loves Raymond. That's just that's a good show. You should watch it sometime. <laughs> it's just a good show. Like it, it is a good show, but what an odd little like 
insert to put. <laughs> yeah. That's very much like Judd Apatow's influence, I feel like. It's mm-hmm. like, just throw in this thing that is popular in culture and everybody knows and likes, <laughs> uh, whether it's lost or everybody loves raymond or whatever it's like this is a this is normal life this is what we talk about (laughs) this is what we talk about this is normal yeah it's just it's so well written and it's so well executed this is one of those movies where the writing the delivery Mm -hmm. of the writing is so well done everyone was on point and it's just i quote seth rogan in this one all the time where i tell people like i just figured you were like a serial killer or something like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, you think it'd be awesome. A woman fucking a horse. And then you get there and it's a woman fucking a horse. Kind of <laughs> felt bad for the woman kind of felt bad for the horse, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, so, it's so good. It's such a good movie. It's like a bag of sand. <laughs> yeah. Your boobs feel like a bag of sand. No, they don't. <laughs> Hold up. Have you ever touched a breast? A bag of sand, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of those movies that is probably one of the first movies that I saw or was introduced to that is very much in that more crass vein of comedy yeah. and and <coughs> and uh, sexual content and sexual topics and like you have r-rated comedy in like blazing saddles but it's not on this level of a lady fucking a horse so th- this is just like kind of like a, a whole new world after this movie and all of the apatow movies and rogan movies and all this stuff is yeah. like this is opened up the floodgates to this kind of style i think it's like they took guy conversation like teenage boy to 25 year old boy conversations and jokes and we're just like let's just make this the movie because this is this is how guys joke this is some i mean not not to generalize but no fuck that this is how us yeah. guys joke. Like this is we. If make you fun think of, of the a lot, the funniest shit you ever said and that you didn't mean, but you said it because you thought it would be funny, it would make your friends laugh. Uh, the funniest things that you can remember dying in your living room laughing about are these kinds of things. Yeah, it just is. It just is, and it, it's so. Maybe that's why it clicked so well with me or so like permanently with me. It was because it was like, oh, my God, these are the mm-hmm. kind of jokes that like my friends and I make. This is and the older I get rewatching, I'm like, yeah, I still do the. You know how I know you're gay? Like, I still <laughs> say that to people. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's too good. It's too good. Yeah, it's kind of ingrained in us at this point. <clears throat> uh, speaking of movies ingrained in us, my number four is possibly the most influential movie literally defines our generation i feel like especially for us guys i think it would be actual sacrilege to exclude it from the list so i had to have it on there i might get flack for not having it higher but i had to put other ones a little bit higher just for my own personal love and a little bit more depth to them than this movie but my number four you can't hate at all is has to be dumb and dumber <laughs> it's an absolute classic um 
So it's not on my list. Oh, but shocker. Well, because it's on my top 10 all-time favorites. So it, to me, Dumb and Dumber, like, extends past just the <laughs> subgenre top 10s. It is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Dumb yeah. and Dumber Pinnacle. is up there. <laughs> yeah. It's so uniquely special. And one of the few movies that I feel like I can actually quote the whole movie all the way through while I'm watching it if I wanted to. <laughs> The writing and performances are just so perfect. And the more I watch it, the more I pick up on all like subtle little nuances and things like, yeah. And then this is one of those movies that it, it really doesn't taper off on the jokes. It's constant new oh, jokes all the yeah. way through. And, and the fact that you don't learn that Lloyd can't really read until almost two thirds <laughs> of the way through the movie. <laughs> And then that kind of sets up a joke later where he's talking about how he has a rapist wit because he really <laughs> doesn't understand. It's just, there's so many layers and levels that it builds on. And it's one of those movies that I will say the theatrical version is better though. Yeah, the, yeah. The, extended ver the extended version, I think, goes too hard into trying to do... It tries to push the like more crass, more sexual boundaries of the comedy. And I don't think it works as well because I think the characters work better when they're more innocent, when they're more, I've heard of this thing and I feel like I should like, it's cool to talk about sex, but I don't know, really know <laughs> right. about it. <laughs> and, and I think that's innocence is much funnier. And so there's more of that. Uh, it's not ruined as much in the, in the theatrical version. So I highly recommend that. But the thing I think works the best in this movie is not just how dumb they are, which is the main premise and absolutely works. But the thing I think works the best is the heart in those characters and the heart in their performance and the heart in their friendship that without that, it would just be dumb, silly jokes that everybody right. like some, some people would like some people wouldn't. But I think this movie stands the test of time because it is so much heart, even from the very beginning when Lloyd's in the living room and he's like, I'm sick and tired of having to eke my way through life. <laughs> and I'm sick and tired of being a nobody. And I'm sick and tired of having nobody. And like that small, tiny performance from Jim Carrey, you're like, I'm in. I'm all in on you. <laughs> like, wherever you go from here, you're not just an idiot. You're a guy that actually want something and cares about something and i want to see you achieve it of course from that moment on you're like no you're just an idiot but i want to see where this is gonna take you <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm yeah, still for so the journey times. dude <laughs> and i think that setup then gets you to the point where they get close to getting that they get close to so you're telling me there's a chance like you they get so close to it but even at the very end when there's the bus of models and they're like yeah, no, you can actually go and find some guys in this town over there. They will rub oil on you and you can be, <laughs> you know, half naked with them. Like you, you want, they get so close so many times and it's just, it's, but it never is frustrating. It's just always fun. And this movie, I, the, what can you say about Dumb and Dumber that hasn't been said before? It is absolutely incredible. I, uh, well, I already told you at the very start, I probably quote this movie the most. Um, and especially I wasn't kidding. Like when I see P 
people wearing cowboy boots down here in Texas, <laughs> I will be like, hey, killer boots, man. And yeah. I usually get the like, oh, thanks. Or, oh, yeah, you like them? And I'm always like, no. Not what I was going for. Not, not really, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I will always... <laughs> I will always love the scene where the cops pulled him over, you know, pull over, pull oh, over. It's again, but thanks for noticing. Every time I put on a freaking sweater, I'm like, <laughs> no, it's a cardigan, but thanks for noticing. First thing that goes from my head. Yeah. Or if I have you. a really big drink, I'm like, big gulps, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> Driving in the car. If I see like, my kid nodding off if we've been driving for a while. I always have the image of him crumpling the cup and like <laughs> throwing it at him. Mm. I don't do it, folks. So before you freak out, I don't throw <laughs> throw an empty cup at my kid. But the I same plays in my head every time. That way most... I can be like, oh, look who's awake. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask if she wanted to hear the most annoying song in the world. Sound in the world. Sound in the world. No, see, this is where Dumb and Dumber is so amazing. It is my daughter's favorite movie of all time. Amazing. And we have had several car rides. <laughs> We're out of the blue for no reason. We don't plan it. We just start mm -hmm. quoting Dumb and Dumber. We have done the entire film. We've done mm -hmm. it. We just can't help but quote the movie. It's just so good. And yeah. it, it cracks me up that the funniest scene to me well, no, I probably shouldn't say the funniest scene. It's just my favorite scene okay. is the opening of the movie. Him running off the jetway <laughs> mm -hmm. is my favorite scene in the whole movie. But usually when you have like that favorite scene, you're like, oh, but the rest are like not on the same part. No, the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah. is. That just happens to be my favorite scene because mm -hmm. it's so stupid. It's not a single moment of it makes any sense, but it's so right. great. Him whipping around and being like, it's okay. I'm a limo driver and running off. Like, uh -huh. Yeah. And how do you not see it? How do you not stop? And then three minutes later, why do you say, well, I fell off the jetway again. Again, again. <laughs> Wow, you are one pathetic yeah. loser. No offense, man. People no, always freak out when you leave the scene of an accident. <laughs> God damn it. Dumb and Dumber is just... Yeah, to me, it. I didn't put it on this list because I was like... I said it in our top ten all time. Mm -hmm. To me, it's just on such a whole nother level that I'm not going to put it on one of the, the sub... Not to say that they're lower, but it just, it's like, sure. that movie is just, it's too, it's too good. It's too oh, funny. <laughs> it's too painfully funny. Like, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah I knew you were going to bring it up. You kind of spoiled that one with one of the posts a couple days ago, I think. I did. Um, you should follow us on Instagram if you want to see hints ba at future. Ba -bam. Ba -bam, ba -bam, ba -bam. Do it, folks. Do it. Um, I also did it with the beer, so I figured it was yeah, fair. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. Tick tick, sir. <laughs> um, all right. Well, my number four, this was the last one that I have been beating myself up for three years 
three and a half years, whatever for Mm. not having on that original list, because I can't believe for as hard as I laugh every time at this movie and as brilliant as I think this movie is, I can't believe I didn't put it on that original top 10. I'm, I'm kind of mad. Like I'm mad and disappointed with the other two, but this one, this one really is like, God damn it. It's like, that's <laughs> of us right there. And then there's this one, right? Like, are you fucking serious? Uh, I feel like the, this movie, this style of comedy is very, it wasn't for our generation. Mm-hmm. But it really, really fed into a lot of our generation, especially I feel you and I in terms of comedy um, and in terms of just absurdity. I think mm-hmm. I think this movie is the perfect level of absurdity. And it's just there's stuff in it that always makes me laugh harder. Like I always... I never laugh the same at it. It's always suddenly this scene is just that's the one for me today. I don't have a favorite scene because every scene is just so well written and so well delivered. Um, And again, not to sound like a broken record, but this was another one confirmation for me of just how great of a comedy this is. When I introduced my daughter to it, when she looked Mm. at me before the opening credits were even over, she looked at me and was like, what is this movie? And I had to tell her, like, you have no idea what you're about to see. You haven't even gotten to the animated scenes yet. She was like, what? <laughs> but Monty Python and the Holy Grail is mm-hmm. potentially the most influential comedy, I think, since when it come out. It was in the 70s as well, right? Um, had to be, yeah. 70s or 80s. Um but the Monty 75. Python, yeah, the Monty Python crew, man, I have so much respect for their style of comedy because it really was that early comedy that was like, it'll be slapstick. It's going to be stupid. It's never at no point is this going to be yeah. like clever. We're just going <laughs> to do something that made one guy laugh and we're just going to lean heavy into that laugh. So that's what we do. To the Mm -hmm. point where they're like, we didn't have enough budget to have horses. So we literally just were like, someone come up with an idea. We could bang coconuts together. You're the horse. Like, (laughs) that was how they did it. Like, that's going to be it. We'll literally have you just going around. You're the sound guy. You have to clack the coconuts together. Yeah. It's so good. And every scene is just like, I laugh some days when I watch it. I laugh really, really hard at just King Arthur himself because mm-hmm. he's so dedicated to his quest, but he's also kind of an idiot. And, yeah. <laughs> and then you've got the peasants like this last time I watched it, the whole peasant argument that he has with where they're like, <laughs> King, we don't have a king. It's <laughs> like, well, I didn't vote for you. <laughs> you see him. He tried to attack me. I laughed super hard at the peasants. The random scene of like the bring out your dead, but not just the actual bring out your dead part, but the old mm-hmm. lady whacking the, the cat against the wall for some reason. <laughs> it's just like, why? And why yeah, is there's it so a lot funny? of little things, little <laughs> details. Yeah. The Holy Grail is just, God damn, what, what a 
gem of a comedy. Thank God we've got mm-hmm. the Monty Python crew from back in the day to just completely disrupt all kinds of like writing systems. Yeah. I mean, the way they end the Holy Grail is another moment where you're just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, my yeah. daughter, when she watched it, she ended up asking me, I think it was like four times what we were watching. And every time she asked, she had like tears in her eyes and she could barely ask the question because she was laughing so hard. Mm-hmm. When it ended, she was just like, that movie is incredible. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. You're watching it's, history, kid. Like Monty Python, the Holy Grail is so amazing to me. And if we ever do this list again, a, a third time, there would probably be a good chance it would probably move up. Uh, maybe at least one more notch, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's, what can you say that hasn't already been said? It's such incredible writing and delivery. And the fact that like the crew plays several characters throughout. Yeah. Just makes it that much better. You know, it's, oh, I, I fucking love this movie so much. I feel like it's, it's absolutely the tightest written and performed Monty Python movie. Yeah. Uh, or or even episode. Like even the show you have it's a sketch show, so you kind of have some hits and misses and things like that. But the Holy Grail is just the most perfectly tightest, best, I think, introduction to that for anybody. You could show mm-hmm. it to someone and be like, this is this is a great gateway drug to this 70s disruptive English style of comedy, especially when it was so, so different, so dry. And Monty Python was just like exploded on that scene as like this (laughs) bizarre and insane, weird new thing. And and yeah, they completely defined a whole generation of, I can't believe we can do this, but we're doing something completely different now. Yeah. And it's, I feel like you can see their influence in a lot of the the comedy that came out in like the well our generation the yeah. 90s and the early 2000s where it's that very like hey we've had this kind of norm this this formula for a while and then you get these these comedians that come out or these teams that come out and they're just like well we're going to we're going to throw a wrench in this system we're going to we're right. about to fuck everything up <laughs> mm-hmm. and i think that's good i think we need that especially yeah i'm all for it (laughs) i think that's what we need next honestly i think the next generation just needs to find that let's try something completely different let's go yeah balls to the wall crazy and see what happens instead of playing it safe like we've been doing yeah uh okay my number three top three now getting a little spicy um all three of these are pretty similar for me, and also pretty similar time frame, 2007, 2008, 2009, all in the same um, era. So my number three is one of the most comfortable movies that I've ever watched. It's one of the movies I remember renting from Netflix, getting the DVD in the mail. Yes, kids, that's the thing that happened. And watching it for the first time ever, loving it immediately and pushing play again and watching it a second time again. And (laughs) And I revisit this movie all the time, whether I'm having a bad day or whatever. I'm like, it's just everything, not just from how hilarious it is, but it's 
color, it's lighting, everybody looks great. It's just, it flows well. It's it just will always pick me up. So my number three has to be Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yes. It may be the best rom-com of all time. It is in, infinitely quotable, just like all of the others. But just for Jason Siegel to have written it and star in it and and come up with all of these different gags and jokes and then also include all of this incredible cast from Kristen Bell and Paul Rudd and Camila Kunis and Russell Brand and Bill Hader there and Jonah Hill and Jack McBear. <laughs> all of them are just every side character you laugh at, every cutaway shot or scene with the newlyweds you laugh at everything is absolutely amazing so off to find the mythical clitoris <laughs> every time i have i like am drinking a fancy drink i'm like i'm samantha Miranda. I can't help it. And and yeah, if the weather's nice, the weather outside is weather plays in Dude, my mind and I'm pretty positive uh I say that little tune <laughs> multiple times every day. Like <laughs> involuntarily too. I won't even mean yeah. to. It's just like out of nowhere I'll just be like, "Well, the weather outside is weather." And then I move on <laughs> with my day. <laughs> Which is another line, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just say fuck the lemons and bail. <laughs> I uh, this will be a fun one. I, I can I can spoil this right now. It's also my number three. So we're just gonna talk. Amazing, <laughs> amazing, <laughs> dude. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like kind of kind of like Dumb and Dumber. I think that even though it's about heartbreak. It's kind of sad. The story and premise is fairly sad. The whole movie and story is hilarious. And then also you, you're into these characters and they build on each other. And you, it's a whole rebirth story. And it comes out much happier, much healthier. And, and so you, you feel great by the end of it, even though in the beginning you're just laughing at how miserable he is. <laughs> you really do feel good. Like... Everything you've said is spot on. It's total comfort movie for me. It's it helped me get through like my divorce. This was the movie I leaned on so heavily mm. just to like, yeah, we're just going to keep rewatching forgetting Sarah Marshall. And every time I would see my ex in those first like couple years that after we split, uh, I would constantly think like came here to kill I'm you. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to murder you. <laughs> like, or I'd, I'd hear Peter's voice, because you're the goddamn devil. But yeah. <laughs> I'm sure my neighbors are like, what is he yelling about? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, yeah I, hear, I hear that old lady crying. It sounds like she's having a really hard time. <laughs> I'll try to keep it down. <laughs> Are those sad tissues or happy tissues? <laughs> yeah. And when he's killing the pig, I'm sorry! I'm sorry! <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this is also a great movie because it is the gateway to 
the Jason Segel Muppets because he has yep. the whole Muppet Dracula musical number, which is Dude. an unbelievable part. So the of movie the film came out in two thousand seven, right? Two thousand eight. Yeah. Um, I have been just aching for. I want to see the Dracula musical, and I want to see it in puppets. I want to see the full production, not just the final number. I yeah. got to see this thing. Uh, I don't think Jason Siegel's ever going to make it, but he should. God damn it. Because <laughs> I would be there. There's an audience. Yeah. There's absolutely an audience. Yeah, it's, it's such a fun movie. And I think it's the kind of, it, it tells, I think every, not just guy, probably just anyone who's gone through like a big breakup Forgetting Sarah Marshall is honestly, it really is a perfect kind of movie because the way he progresses to like heal from it and move on from it is kind of like the fantasy of everyone who's gone through heartbreak of like, Mm -hmm. I'll hate everything. I'll suffer for a little while. Then I have to figure out how to get over it. I'll have a confrontation with the ex. I'll finally stand my ground and I'll be able to Mm -hmm. move on with my life. Like that's the kind of progression that you, you want. Granted, it doesn't always happen that way, but um, sometimes you get you get used to that pain and you want to hold on to it, even though it's time to move on. It's hard to do. He pokes fun at that so perfectly and he does it with the fucking cereal box, the the plastic container. Now I have the freshest cereal. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's such a great movie. And you said the heart that's in it. Is incredible. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. for as funny and crass as the movie is, you are rooting for the character of Peter from the get go Mm -hmm. in this movie. And I always laugh as well, Jake, because you you and Christy have told me this. You aren't the only ones, but you two have (laughs) told me the most uh, where you've both told me, like, we imagine you would be like him alone in your house doing the uh you shall not pass moment from lord of the rings (laughs) yeah yeah and i resent that but i can't argue it so it's uh, because it's happened before and it'll happen again i bet (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's what a great movie no wonder we both put it at number three on a top 10 like yeah I was waiting. I was like, is this the first list we haven't had a crossover in a really long time? Because we weighed it really far. We did. And it's pretty incredible that both of us at number three choose the same movie. That's amazing. Yeah. But, okay, so it's the first actual crossover. But I feel you and I approach this one with oh, like the same principle of like, no, we need yeah. just that good, authentic, stupid laugh. Like, we just... That's yeah. what we're going for. Yeah, and some of the prior picks were definitely trust on both of our parts of... Well, Dustin will definitely have this one, so <laughs> right. I can save the space <laughs> yeah. for my pick. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's oh, the what one a we good just pick. couldn't leave off. Oh, no. It's... <sighs> that movie's so good. It's <laughs> so good. <laughs> so then my number two is somewhat similar, but less romantic... Uh, Kind of more friendly, buddy, buddy friends. Although there's an undertone of I'm going to move on. My number <laughs> two is Super Bad, which is very much kind of a 
a romance of friendship, you could say. It's a bromance. There's a level. There's a bromance in there for sure. That they, these two guys, feel that they, they love each other, whether they say it all the time or not. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of are forced to have to leave each other, and that forced breakup is a hard thing to deal with. And Super Bad is just one of those movies that it was so close to being my number one comedy of all time because I feel like. Yes, it is terribly crass. And no, you shouldn't watch it with your mom. <laughs> but if you can get past the dicks and the and the boobs and the other sex jokes and the and the you know gross things that they describe, um, there's so much heart and meaning in this movie and and the actual growth of the characters and the relationship they have with each other and the things that they need to find independently while also still figuring out you can still be friends and it's a new era and that's scary and you don't know what you're going to go into Mm -hmm. and all that stuff it's just a coming of age story but also you can make it what you want all this incredible stuff so super bad has probably the most jokes even more than dumb and dumber even more than forgetting sarah marshall um i i lose my mind every time i watch this movie and and it's weird things like it's one of those things that there are things in this movie that i maybe shouldn't be a joke or maybe it's not a joke that everybody laughs at but for me i just glob on to every single thing (laughs) that they say and how how the play on words is clever i think that it shows through that um seth rogan and evan goldberg who wrote it and had been writing it since they were 13 year old kids and and they were in high school and they were talking about this stuff and so they just worked it and polished it and proved that they could write a movie script and and that time and that effort pays off because you can tell that there's such clever little plays on words and things that happen even to the point of i mean it's the most basic premise these two kids that want to have sex before they go to college but when 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 evan says you don't want girls to think that you suck dick at fucking pussy (laughs) the way that those words are phrased (laughs) and the order that they fall and the conflict between them <laughs> that you don't want girls to think that you suck dick pause at fucking pussy because <laughs> you're not gay but also you there's just the way that they phrase it it's just the funniest thing to me and i don't really know why other than it just connects to my funny bone in a, in a new and interesting way and it always has and i think that it probably always will <laughs> i've uh so it was on my list for the longest time, but then, <laughs> then I revisited some of these and was like, oh, I think I'm going to have to edge it off, but I think Jake's going to have this one. Cause I remember you had it on your original one. I remembered that. Yeah, so it's like, just one of the mainstays. <clears throat> I was like, I bet he keeps it. I'm hoping he keeps it, but super bad, even though it's not on my list and no way takes away it being a brilliant film. I'm with you. Some of the funniest parts in the movie are mm-hmm. just the dry delivery or just the like, I don't know if that is the joke, but I'm laughing <laughs> at it. 
And one of the lines that makes me laugh every time because it's so weirdly specific <laughs> and it, it's so off-putting every time is when they're outside and Evan is asking Seth, like, did you bring a did you bring a condom? He's like, no, you brought a condom. And he pulls out like the tiny little bottle of lube, but he doesn't just say and lube. He goes, yeah. And I got a bottle or a, a tube of spermicidal lube. <laughs> spermicidal lube. Yeah. The spermicidal, like, <laughs> and then so specific. grabs it and like chucks it into the parking lot. Then I laugh even harder at the like, well, that's cool, man. You know what? You owe me 14 bucks now. Like, but he says it. <laughs> yeah. As I'm not going to go berated. pick it up. And, and it, it <laughs> broke open. <laughs> you owe me 14 bucks, 14 bucks now, but he says it so mumbly. And mm -hmm. like, as he's being berated for having it, that you don't even hear it half of the time, but it, that's one of the funniest lines to me. Oh, you brought some noob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of those. There's there's when they're on the soccer field and <laughs> it's like people don't forget. <laughs> there's so many moments that I'm just I can't believe like everything from the, the it's kind of like an epic journey of their night as they try to go from high school to this party and all of the crazy things that happen and the crazy things that uh, they get hung up with. <laughs> it's such a ridiculous movie. I, I might, well, no, I could see you laughing really hard at it too. But every time that uh, McLovin is trying to sound older, but when mm -hmm. he says the word hops and his voice kind of cracks <laughs> and he has that like little, <laughs> yeah, he like hops yeah. as he says it. Hops. Yeah. Every time I'm like, you're so obviously a child. <laughs> like, yeah. You poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the the style. I guess also makes me laugh because it's it's very a product of its time, two thousand eight, two thousand seven, where it's you know fresh internet, porns, mm -hmm. flip phones, cell phones, and all stuff. But also the music and the clothing style and the kind of color grade, it feels like it should be the seventies. It feels like it should be the seventies. You think it might be with the opening sequence being that dance number, uh, um, yeah. or the dancing credits, but then, yeah, they're like, I'm, I just don't know which site I want to subscribe to, but I'm thinking <laughs> it's going to be the Vegtastic voyage. You know, the one where they pick up the girls in the van <laughs> <laughs> and then they bang them once they're on the van. <laughs> Moms may look at the bill dipshit. If I'm paying top dollar, I want some some production value. I want some storyline or something. <laughs> I'm sorry the Cohen brothers don't direct the kind of porn I watch. They're really hard to get a hold of. That line is one of the best written <laughs> lines ever. And then I, I always laugh when he's like telling Becca all the crazy shit that they do and it's them <laughs> not doing anything, but one of them is them gathered around the computer watching the vagtastic voyage yeah. <laughs> it's like just the free trailer of the Voyage. It's not, <laughs> right. they obviously don't have accounts or anything uh such yeah. a good movie it's it feels like it's, it 
could never be made again because it's such a specific time period before the internet, before smartphones, before anything. Everybody's kind of disconnected. They have phones, but the service is shitty. It's mm -hmm. that kind of movie being made present day, I don't think will ever happen again. Like it's it's a very much kind of the cutoff point, I think, for that yeah, kind of movie. It really is, because it was like before all the information was literally at your fingertip. You know, he has bad yeah. cell reception, which is also before fantastic. people are filming things on their phones constantly and, at parties. Constantly, yeah. Um, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think we'll get another one like it unless they just start turning the 90s and 2000s into period films, which is going <laughs> to happen. And then we're going to yeah. feel really fucking old. Um, yeah, it's around the corner. Yeah. But uh, it, it is unique. I think it, it it has a special kind of quality to it that we I don't think we've seen really in that same style. I mean, even Rogan stuff post Superbad hasn't yeah. been exactly like Superbad. Yeah, it's all super crass and all that. But there was mm. just something very different about when he wrote that when him and Evan Goldberg wrote super bad. And I think it yeah. really comes from the fact that like, it's so genuine because they had been writing it forever together. And some of what is in super bad mm -hmm. actually happened to them or friends of theirs. Like it's yeah, basically it's about them. About them. So yeah. it's a fan. Oh, what a good movie. <laughs> All right. Well, my number two, <laughs> So you used to give me tons of shit because I would always bring a movie up like every other episode or every <laughs> yep. every episode. And I have not brought it up for a long time. I knew it would be on your list. But you, sir, have brought up Hereditary <laughs> so many times that I was like, you know what? It's my turn. <laughs> it's time to bring it back. I'm bringing it back. It couldn't not be on my list. I tried. I was genuinely going to try. <laughs> it's the one I was a hundred percent sure would be on your list. I couldn't. I couldn't not have it on there. Um, it's just this was. You know, I said Tommy Boy was one of those movies that was just so like, oh my god, this is my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Happy Gilmore is the movie that was completely like. The clouds parted. The comedy gods were just like, this is you. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was rewatching it the other day. I already had it on the list. I was just rewatching it because I wanted to watch it again. Sure. I just. I quote the movie. I act out <laughs> the movie. I <laughs> like I can't help but laugh out loud during the movie. It's. It's one of those movies, Jake, where even though I have it memorized, I've seen it countless amounts of times. I force so many people to watch this movie and yeah. most of them have enjoyed it. Maybe not to the same extent, <laughs> but they've enjoyed it. Yeah. But it's one of those movies where every time I put it down or put it on, I don't get on my phone. I don't even have the urge to get on the phone or to do other mm. stuff around the house. It is one of those movies where it's like, I am all in hundred percent the whole way through. I just, 
it's Adam Sandler's like it's I mean that is yeah pinnacle Adam Sandler and it yeah that movie really that dumb and dumber Tommy boy just defined comedy yeah. for me kind of and I, <laughs> I probably can't argue it probably helped really define a lot of my personality at least as an adolescent boy uh, oh, absolutely it's just it's so great it's so funny every scene in the movie is just like yes yes and fuck shooter mcgavin I, <laughs> just like <laughs> he's such a douche yeah. <laughs> i just yeah i i knew you were gonna be like where is it i know it's coming up uh, yeah. yeah, it's number two. It would be number one, but number one is extra special for me. So it's just happy Gilmore. I will never get over my adoration for this movie. It's not full of like joke, 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 but all the mm. gags that are in it are what make the movie so great. And one of the best gags is there's no dialogue. It's just the. I, he's a famous golfer. I don't know who he is, but he's just the dude that always happens to be around happy when he's throwing a fit and he just shakes his head at him. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't talk at all. Amazing gag. <laughs> like <laughs> it's so simple, but it's mm-hmm. so, it has such a great impact on the, the story, the, the movie itself. Happy as a character. I just, oh. I adore this movie so much. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things in it that I don't think we get really in the 2000s comedies, which is a lot more joke, like verbal joke, dialogue delivery heavy, mm-hmm. where there's not that much visual gags or physical comedy gags like Happy Gilmore have. Like the the Richard Keel stuff, the giant with the the nail in his head and <laughs> and all of that is just so so wild and hilarious and the fight with well, Bob and Barker and everything. It like amazing. it doesn't rely on on one liners. Not I mean one liners are great, but it, it yeah. doesn't rely on that. In fact, the punchline is always like almost a legitimate punchline where it's the end of a scene and that's where they're going to throw the, the weird thing or the, you know, Mm -hmm. oddity at you. Like the old Asian woman chasing after him when he runs out of his apartment, she's like, Oh, you don't want (laughs) breakfast. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's happy. Gilmore is just such a perfect time capsule of 90s comedy and for me at that age that movie just like yep this is it's got the physical comedy it's got actual like just dialogue comedy it's Mm -hmm. crass it's crude they turned that into a joke by bleeping it which makes it kind of funnier like (laughs) you laugh harder that you're not actually hearing the f-bombs right well because you know that golf is such a Grim and proper sports, right? And it's completely right. shitting on this, like, yeah, kind of pretentious sport. No offense, golfers, but um, <laughs> and it's a guy who's like, he still wears a hockey jersey when he goes to putt. It's just, yeah, it's, it's yeah, so bad. he doesn't give a fuck. It it's pretty funny to me that you have two golf movies that are very <laughs> separate generations. I I feel like golf would have died out with our like parents generation if it wasn't for 
these comedies if Caddyshack didn't exist, mm-hmm. which brought in a whole other level of a whole generation of golfers, and then Happy Gilmer didn't exist, brought in a new generation of golfers. People, I think, got legitimately introduced to golf through trying to do the Happy Gilmer swing. Oh, a hundred percent, yeah. And then and I think it, it tap struck it in, a, tap it into the hole. <laughs> struck that competitive side for a lot of people. I would totally see that happen, or could see that happening. I mean. I don't know anyone who can go to a putt-putt course and not quote yeah. Happy Gilmore at least half of the holes that you're putting. <laughs> yeah, it's ubiquitous and for sure. It's crazy. It's so, and everyone knows you're going to do it. Everyone oh, knows, yeah. and everyone kind of rolls their eyes at first, like, "Oh, here comes a Happy you're Gilmore." You're kind of obligated to, but you do it, and everyone laughs because it's funny. It's still hilarious. Yeah. And it will never not be funny him getting mad at the clown that spits his ball out. You're going <laughs> to die, clown! Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's so good. It's so fucking good. <laughs> I knew it would be on your list. I had no I, doubt I know. I know. I haven't brought it up for so long, but I was like, this is, it's back. Happy Gilmore's yep. coming back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My number one is probably the one from my original list that I was actually the most proud of. And it has moved up higher over the years. And I think that it's, it has everything that I said before that I like, it's hilarious. It has tons of jokes. It's the style of comedy I like, but what put it all the way at the very top for me is that it's, it has a lot more, it's a lot more depth, a lot more story, a lot more emotion. Um, so it kind of is the total package. I think everything that comedy should aspire to be. So my number one is uh, Funny People from 2009. To me, I feel like Funny People is a comedy epic in like a biblical epic proportion. I was, because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very much not, it's about a famous Adam Sandler exactly playing himself as this guy who well the original the opening of the movie is his original like home video prank calling Mm -hmm. people like early snl cast member days but then he basically plays himself as a guy who is known for making pretty general audience generic pretty dumb comedies with silly plots um but also kind of weirdly a lot of heart we talked a lot about that in our adam sandler episode that he just kind of sucker punches you with that um, heart and story. But so there's the whole, everything you just said about happy Gilmore and Adam Sandler comedy movies and everything. That's a big part of this movie. But then also it's a lot about stand up comedy, which is kind of the purest form of comedy stand up comedians and a lot of famous ones and legends make appearances in the movie but it shows it from two perspectives. It shows George Simmons character, who's a stand-up comedian, who's famous, made it. And then also Seth Rogen's character, Ira, who is struggling to start out and they kind of connect and, and you kind of get both sides there. But then it's also set in almost 2010 when YouTube's kind of a new thing. So they have this internet phenomenon it's easy to blow up on youtube and get video views on go viral and all that stuff that aspect of comedy 
shitting on these sitcom actors who are raking in checks, but not really that funny. And how can that really be comedy? Every aspect of this movie has so much depth in it. But I think the thing that really puts it up over the top for me is it's about comedy and funny people, as the name implies, but it's also about this famous comedian who is basically a tragic, sad clown like Pagliacci. He has cancer or leukemia, a rare form of leukemia, and is stuck in this world where everybody sees him as this hilarious, jovial guy. Well, he's going through the saddest thing ever right. in his life and trying to his whole world's turned upside down. Everything he thought he valued, he doesn't anymore. He's trying to figure, find meaning in life or what little life he has left. So it always just reminds me of those images of uh, like it's a famous like theater image thing where you have like the smiley mask and the frowny mask. And you really need both sides of that. You need tragedy and comedy and the more tragedy you have kind of that elevates the comedy because the worst yeah. things are the more people need a laugh and the darker things are the darker you can make it and the funnier it gets so i i think that all of that is needed and this whole movie kind of pulls it all together in such a great way i think that it may be um, judd apatow's best written um, movies in general even though i like pretty much all of his movies so I think for all of those reasons, uh, funny people has to be has to be at the top for me. I know you've always loved that one. It, it's fantastic. I've always found it to be kind of like a unconventional comedy. Yeah, and, and the the way you worded it of it being kind of like the the biblical epic version of a comedy. That's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. It's still very <laughs> funny. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I I remember the first time watching it and being like, this isn't like his other comedies. This is, I had to kind of adjust to the new, to that style and that the way he was telling that story. Um, yeah. But still finding it very funny. And it, that's when the older I get, the more I've appreciated that one. Um, it's such a, that's a left field pick, man. I was not expecting you to, <laughs> to throw that one out there. I know I've always known that you love it. You've talked about yeah. it a few times before. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I started with it like one. kind of in the middle. And then as I kept moving things around and, and weighting them against each other and seeing like all of the reasons I love this, or mm -hmm. I love this one more. This one just had so many things in its, corner and i had so many more reasons why it's great that it just floated to the top for that reason that that makes sense that makes sense um it's a fun pick <laughs> if, <laughs> if you people haven't seen funny people um i i do recommend that i mean you kind of have to it's a judd apatow film so i feel like you have to you have to like his other movies to understand what you're going to watch. Cause it's very dry. It's very based in reality and pop mm -hmm. culture. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> for the time that it came out. So 2010, right. when did that one come 2000, out? 2009. Nine. Um, yeah. 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 They go to a MySpace uh, <laughs> com com company corporate event. 
<laughs> if that tells you what the time period is. I miss MySpace. Kids, it was so much better than what we have now. Um, but I times. That's a good one, man. Good pick. I like being surprised. All <laughs> right. Well, my number one was also... It's coming back from the original list, but when I when I looked at the original list, I was just shaking my head at myself because I was like, damn, dude. You talk about this movie regularly. I quote this mm-hmm. movie regularly. This movie has like a very profound, deep meaning to me personally. And I had it rated pretty low on the original list. And I was like, why the fuck did I do that to this movie? That (laughs) so clearly means so much to me. I mean, I claim it to be the movie that really reset and saved my fandom for film or for movies in general. It, it saved me from being a pretentious indie douchebag. Um, yeah. So I, I was just shaking my head. And at first I was like, well, Maybe I won't put it at number one because, because you know, Happy Gilmore's gonna be on here. I was gonna have, you know, I've got Monty Python. I wanted Super Bad on the list, but that one kind of got edged out a little bit. I had all these movies, and then I rewatched it, and then I rewatched it again because I just mm. always watch this movie, and I was like, of all all ten on my list, of all the comedies that I struggled to like figure out how it's going to, which one is going to be on here of all the comfort movies that I have. This is the one that is always my go-to like right out the gate. This is the one. Sometimes it's involuntary. Like I'll just pull the movie out and like, Oh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm watching this. Okay, cool. (laughs) Just found its way into your player. It just, it's this man. And I, I do a, come back to like the movie I used it as a tool to kind of reset my my fandom and get over myself and it's just had this awesome permanent effect on me so I always watch it with a lot of adoration but it's a funny take on being forced to grow up yeah and I think that's kind of like, it's an important lesson, but they do it in such a non-preachy way where it's just like, we're going to poke fun at it and then remind all the grownups who have gotten giant sticks up their asses, like, <laughs> don't lose your dinosaur. So mm-hmm. number one had to be Step Brothers. Will yeah. Ferrell just, it's so weird for me to say that Will Ferrell saved <laughs> my fandom of movies or save me from ruining my fandom of movies, but he really did. And Step Brothers is a movie that did it. Um, I, I think I, I tell this story every time I talk about it, so I'm sure everyone's heard it. But in case you're new here and you haven't heard it, sorry, Jake, you have to hear it again. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, it, when it came out, I hated it the first time, but I was also in that kind of place where like, I was very... Like, if it's not indie, artsy, then it sucks. And I was hating on some of my favorite movies just because they weren't independent films. I was real, real douchey and pretentious with it, which gets fucking boring. Yeah. Like, you just ruin everything. Nobody else likes it either. And no one else likes it. And it's just everything's a fucking drag. 
And I got so tired of it that I just, I kind of forced myself, found myself and forced myself into a place of like, I need a reset. I got to figure out, like, I can't believe I'm hating on some of my favorite movies of all time. Mm-hmm. And Step Brothers had just recently come out on like Blu-ray and DVD. And so I was married at the time. We had a copy and I popped it in. Knowing I hated it the first time, but knowing like it's so stupid, I just need something that absolutely never takes a moment serious and is so mm-hmm. absurd. And I threw this movie in and it just like redeemed it for me. It clicked and just like, <laughs> thank God it broke the pretentiousness mold. And I've, I haven't looked back since. Woo. But yeah, <laughs> Step Brothers is just, I think it's Will Ferrell's best. I think it's him and John C. Riley's because they had a handful of team ups. I think it's yeah. their best team up film. Uh, definitely. It's definitely the one I quote the most. I quote it a lot. I love threatening <laughs> like close coworkers or, or close friends. Like I'm going to put my nutsack on your drum kit. Um, <laughs> yeah, or I was watching cops, you know? <laughs> yeah. Why, why are you, why you so sweaty? sweaty? <laughs> I was watching cops. Uh, it's just, it's the perfect amount of absurdity and obnoxiousness and that immaturity that I, I really connected with from my childhood. But as an adult, this was that for me. And it's Mm. just every time I watch it, I, I, I laugh just as hard as I did after that second time I watched it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's just, it's such a special, stupid movie to me, but I, love it so much i get excited when other people quote it around me one of the first lines i'm always going to quote to people is not the so much room for activities it's usually i'm going to drop kick that motherfucker that's usually the first line i'm going to throw out because it's one of my favorites um it's just everything about it is so great i love the bunk beds i love the no power tools oh we were we're just brushing our teeth (laughs) It's just, it's so great. And I, I really, I think Step Brothers really made me just such like an actual Will Ferrell fan. Cause I was when like Anchorman came out, but then mm-hmm. I got pretentious and dumb and lost that tracking. But after Step Brothers, it's just like I throw on Will Ferrell and I'm in a good mood. Yeah. I, I, I embrace the absurdity and obnoxious that is his earlier films. It's just, it's too good for me. So. It means the most to me. It had to be my number one. So Step Brothers, all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think those movies that change your life, that those are the ones you remember, and those go at the top for sure. All right. Well, there you go. We did it. We did it. I feel much happier with that list. Let's mm-hmm. keep that there for a while. Yeah, it felt good leaning into leaning into those aspects that childish mindset that that stupid male brain activity of (laughs) gross gags and yeah body jokes so (laughs) yeah there's a heavy male thing about it i don't know i know we have some female listeners i'm curious what the ladies favorite comedies are Uh, definitely let us know on instagram or whatever because i'm i don't know if, if like my wife doesn't like a lot of like comedies or at least these kinds of comedies. So maybe there's just a whole separate thing 
I almost had yeah. Bridesmaids on there. I know she likes Bridesmaids. Other women probably like Bridesmaids. It's a great comedy. It's so a I don't fantastic know exactly. comedy. And there's not that much different in it. It's the same sort of, I mean, they have diarrhea in the street. It's a pretty gross out <laughs> comedy, but it's also, I mean, maybe it's just delivered differently. Yeah, I don't know. I am curious, though, because I feel like these kinds of jokes that are in all 20 of our movies uh, yeah. are that that boy, you know, it's body jokes. It's shit jokes. It's it's dick jokes. It's yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's putting all down your friends in a loving <laughs> way. Right. It's super heavy sarcasm at, without the backstabbing. Um, right. Yeah, maybe there is something. I don't know. I don't know. But I like my list. I, I felt like, I mean, I'm still kind of, would I adjust it? But that's just because comedy is such a incredible genre. You know, for me as a kid, it was action and comedy. But the older I got, then it's horror and comedy. But comedy seems to be mm. the most consistent genre that I feel I lean to the most through all other movies. So I think we need more comedies. Hey, Hollywood writers, um, stop being yeah. start <laughs> get out of your dark places. Let's let's laugh a little, huh? <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Although I also do think that comedy is the hardest thing to do. It is the hardest. Yeah, do well. It is to do well, especially at this level of the best of all time. So that's why we get a lot of medium comedies i think mm -hmm. uh, but ones that almost made my list honorable mention time um i was almost close to pulling a fast one and putting a non-film on my list and putting a stand-up special on my list instead oh. so <laughs> possibly my favorite stand-up special of all time is from mike berbiglia and it's his special my girlfriend's boyfriend the specifically because of the storytelling it's really funny he's a great mm -hmm. uh, comedian with a lot of great jokes but that whole special has this story he tells and dramatic arc and it's kind of told in a lot non-linear way and it's just it's so engaging at the level of a movie and <laughs> you are rooting for him you want him to get with this girl that he's telling the story about and you don't know if it works out or not and it's just so engaging that it feels like you're watching a movie, even though it's just a dude on stage telling a story. Right. So I would highly recommend uh, Mike Berbigley as my girlfriend's boyfriend if you're into that sort of thing. I also, because I didn't have Robin Williams, I was so close. The Birdcage may be my favorite <laughs> yeah. Robin Williams movie. <laughs> Him and Nathan Lane are just the funniest freaking dudes ever. And that whole concept is hilarious. <laughs> I also didn't have Chevy Chase, who I absolutely love, uh, early 80s, 90s Chevy Chase. And so Three Amigos is probably mm -hmm. the best team up of all of them, uh, Steve Martin and Chevy Chase and, uh, and Martin Short. They're just incredible. And then 21 Jump Street is kind of an underrated <laughs> movie that has no reason to exist. The most meaningless or the movie that has you should not expect to be good as a reboot of an old tv show but ends up being absolutely incredible and unique and its own specific thing it's uh you and i have talked 21 and 2021 or 22 jump street before it had no business being as funny as it ended up being 
But mm-hmm. god damn it, I'm so happy it is. It's so <laughs> fucking good. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Well, since since you brought up stand up, I wasn't going to try to pull a fast one, but man, I was really thinking there are some fantastic stand up specials out there and Honestly, I mean, it might be kind of cliche, especially for like our generation to say it. But honestly, if you've never watched Robin Williams life on Broadway, like that to Mm -hmm. me, it's my favorite stand up. It's an hour long and I don't know if I've ever laughed that hard at anything before. Um Mm -hmm whether it was at a shock of what he was saying, because when I saw it, I wasn't like technically supposed to see it, but I watched (laughs) it with my friends. Um, Uh But it's just, that is Robin Williams. Just, he was, they let him off the leash. He was in his prime and I miss that guy's comedy so much. Um, Yeah. But it's funny that you brought that up because I was thinking about stand up specials alongside trying to figure out comedy. So it's <laughs> funny that we were still in the same, same lane with that. Um, but in terms of movies, man, Oh brother, where art though was real close oh, to being yeah. on the list. George Clooney is so good at playing such a buffoon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we're in a tight spot. <laughs> right. Oh, my hair, my hair. Um, <laughs> God damn it. I'm a damper. Damn man. Sorry, sorry. Uh, that movie's just, I think that's one of the best Coen Brother comedies that they wrote. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so good. Uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective was <laughs> another one that, because Jim Carrey is definitely a part of, like, especially the comedy influence, but Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, that first one, I remember watching that very young and kind of really like, oh, this is different from what I was mm-hmm. used to. It's his facial expressions that he was using his ass to talk. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, that movie will probably piss off a lot of people these days, but you should get over it. It was funny when it came out and it's still funny <laughs> now. So, um, Dude, yeah. just the level at which Jim Carrey dominated 1994 with The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, Dumb and, Dumber and, and Ace, Ace Ventura. Ventura. <laughs> and then all of those had animated series that would later go on. Like He just absolutely burst on the scene and owned it for a decade. I think he still has the record for being the only actor to have three number one releases in the same year at the box has to be i think he's the only one that has that title um and then uh it's it's not one that a lot of people know of which is a shame because more people should it's incredible uh but the original british version of death at a funeral is that is impeccable comedic writing it's so well done very dark, uh, very dry, but great. And it has a ton of heart. There's a whole monologue at the end of the film, well, towards the end of the film, that is just like, it's it's a powerful monologue. Um, but yeah, that original British version, don't 
don't bother with the American remake because they tried too hard and they fucked it all up. So don't don't do that. Uh, yeah, directed by Frank Oz, who's uh, famous for Muppets, obviously, and then Peter Dinklage, even from Alan Tudyk, yeah. Matthew McFadden, that people know from uh, Succession. Like it's got a stacked cast. People need to check it out. People do. It's fantastic. So, like you, there's a million fucking comedies out there to recommend. <laughs> um, but it, we'll we'll stick with those, dude. We okay. did it. Top ten. We comedy. made it through. We did it. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was an ordeal, but I'm glad it's behind us and we can move on to the next. And it thing. was, but it was like a good ordeal. So, yeah. It's it true. Was it was a fun time. It was a fun time, and it was a very fun recording. I love this episode. Um, next episode, I was thinking about it because I've been excited about it since we decided yeah. to do it. But then I also realized this last week, this might just be for us. I don't know that anybody else really cares about this topic. <laughs> so next episode, we're going to talk about the movies that star the great or are about the great character, Ernest P. Worrell, which you may know if you're about our age, there was a series of films starring Ernest. Ernest goes to camp, Ernest in the army, Ernest saves Christmas. Um, there's a, there's a handful of the movies. It's like, and I feel like five or they six. Defined, something. Yeah. Something like that. They defined kind of our, a generation some of them are straight to video. Most of them are theatrical. Um, he has a kind of interesting story as a performer. Most people probably know him as the voice of Slinky Dog in Toy Story. Yep. We've, we've yep. been wa- watching Toy Story and Toy Story 2 a lot lately. So I was like, hey, that's, that's, uh, hey, Vern, that's, uh, Ernest on the TV over there. So we're doing that next episode in time for the holidays. Ernest Saves Christmas, obviously a classic. But all the other ones as well, they kind of are yeah, fun to it, revisit. It may just be for you and I, but that's a that's okay because I know you and I both watched these movies and they were big yeah. movies for us to watch and they were fun and they're so stupid, but that's they're so good. Um <laughs> but I think people from our generation will remember the Ernest films, and if anything, people yeah. find these movies, go revisit it. If you want some like innocent just good natured slapstick fun the earnest yeah. movies are forgotten gems that need to be kind of revisited it they're they're great yeah i imagine some people will get a hit of nostalgia as it comes flooding back and they're like oh my god i forgot about this guy but absolutely yes. he is had lived in a corner of my brain that i forgot how to unlock until now yeah so I'm excited for it. I'm excited for that one. And, and then the, the episode after that, uh, which might be like our most innocent, like <laughs> heartwarming episode of the year. So, yeah. So right before <laughs> Christmas, our last episode of the year is our favorite movies that we watched as kids. But I think we're trying to exclude all of the obvious ones like Star we're, Wars. We're like Indiana excluding Jones the, and... the Disney animated and, yeah, like yeah. This is you about and I all of have... the dumb, all the dumb bullshit you watched <laughs> over and over as a kid that really defined your life. <laughs> uh, another very nostalgic, weird episode. 
it, it'll be super nostalgic. I think I imagine people might see some of the, like movies on my list that they're going to be like, that was a childhood film for you. And I'll be like, yeah, yes, it yeah. Was. <laughs> I watched it over and over and over again. <laughs> there's one that That'll I've got on my list. Yeah, there's one that's on my list, dude. I just rewatched it right before we started recording, actually. And, uh, mm. oh, man, I was like, <laughs> oh, this is it. This, this is so good. <laughs> I have several that I'm like, I don't know that anybody's ever heard of this movie. And I need to find out if I'm the only one who's seen it. I loved it. <laughs> And I also want to see if it still holds up. So that's most of the reason to do this episode. <laughs> yes. But we're just we're just tapping into some good wholesome wholesomeness for the end of the year. So I'm yeah. excited Remind for Remind us it. of our Very childhood, awesome. some nostalgia. It'll be good. So yeah, we're getting up yeah. against the end of the year. So, we appreciate everybody. Don't forget, go to YouTube, subscribe if you've been listening. Check us out on Instagram because starting December, we're going to announce a cool giveaway you want to be a part of. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. We appreciate you and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>